When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey folks, this is Eddie Trunk from That Metal Show and Sirius XM Radio and lifelong KISS fan. You are listening to the Shout It Out Loud cast with Tom and Zeus. What's up there, Kiss Army? Uh, Tom and Zeus, another episode. Shout it out loud, cast. Episode 130. Biography. History. Part one. Tom, how you doing? Yeah, part one. Yep. Special event in Shout It Out Loud cast history. Part one this week. You know yes. what next week? You know what next week might mean. Part yes. one, baby. So, obviously, uh, it's no not a surprise that we're talking about this. Uh, things like this don't come along uh, in history too often. We have uh, a big event for Kiss. It's happening now. It's not like uh, this is the band we're talking about having a podcast in the nineteen uh, late seventies or the. 80s where they're releasing a new album every year and it's exciting and we get to talk about it this is like a new album dropping so we obviously want to take our time break it down analyze it like we do and uh the only way to do that properly is to take them one at a time yeah you've been listening to us long enough to know that when we review anything we don't take uh shortcuts or side roads we we take a we take our sweet time with it because we want to get Every bit of it looked at, broken down, analyzed, left, right, top, bottom. And uh, you know that we're going to do that with this. So there's a lot to unpack. This would have been impossible and not our style if we tried to do this all in one episode. We could do it like other styles and just be like, did you guys see Kissed on A&E? I really really like Paul's ear. Did you like the part where they showed Ace playing the guitar? I like that. I like the. I, did you like the flames? I like the flames. The in the blood. I like that. I like Kiss. Yeah, I think everybody liked it. Did you like it? 
I liked it. Yeah, I like Kiss. I mean, I like Gene Simmons. What do you guys think? Did you like Gene Simmons? I liked it. See you guys next week. <laughs> Here's one. <laughs> this thing sucked. Is that, oh, uh, this one? Uh, oh, let me skip over that one. Edit the edit, uh, edit, 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 edit. How do you edit? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Those are going to be the new shout out loud cash shirts. Ed, get on that so we can have them for the cruise. Have our logo on the front and the back. Do you like Kiss? Be my friend. Kiss father. Be my friend. Godfather. (laughs) That's more like it. You can act like a man. (laughs) Oh, boy. Here we go. Yeah, alrighty. Anyway, as always, we always go back to the previous episode. The previous episode we did last week, we talked about the 25th anniversary of You Wanted the Best, You Got the Best. (laughs) You Wanted the Best, You Got a Compilation of Not Really Live Songs. But anyways... So, yeah, you wanted the best, you got the best. We start off with the poll. So uh, our poll question was favorite previously unreleased live tracks uh, on the album. And, of course, they were Room Service, Two Timer, Let Me Know, and Take Me. And Take Me took it away with 47%. Let Me Know at 23, Room Service at 21, Two Timer coming in at 9%. I love Dress to Kill, and I love Gene Simmons. Two-timers is kind of a dud. Uh, the live version was at least, but um, John Schaefer, I always hated the live version of Take Me. Gene's background vocals sounds like Shana was squeezing his balls. <laughs> oh, wow. Let me know is much better. Better. Deuce. Baby, I could use a meal. One of my favorite Paul lines ever. Room service. Oh, I love I fucking love room service. Steve, take me. Should have been on a live too, without question. Yes, a lot of people said that. Bill Elam. Uh, today I picked Let Me Know. Great breakdown at the end. Yes, that, that is a good song. T- take Me would, would be the gold standard for a live too. Yes. My buddy Lance, I should have known that two-timer is losing because it's my favorite. Um, our buddy, I love it louder. Two-timer is amazing. Freaking love Take Me, though. What a weird solo. I have never heard anybody say two-timer is amazing, but that's okay. <laughs> That's okay. (laughs) Uh, Our buddy Lee, take me. Uh, Why this song was never on a live two is a mystery. I always thought that this version was recorded from soundcheck. Uh, Our buddy, my info. I think all these songs are awesome. I chose let me know, but it's probably the worst choice for a live cut, but I love that song. Take me is probably the best. Two timer is awesome. Okay. Uh, Again, Mark St. Yon jumps in. I don't fucking understand how two timer is so low in the rankings. Then he goes, do you people even like Kiss? <laughs> <laughs> Jason Rocco. Go what? ahead, Zeus. Louis Rocco. <laughs> Which dentist is this? This man named Mr. Rocco on uh, Bronx. Mr. Rocco. Louis Rocco. Louis Rocco. <laughs> there you go. I went I'm not- to him for... <laughs> Tooth DK, DK. I can't even chew popcorn. Ah! My pants on button. 
Then I wake up my pants on button. Punch my tooth loose. Why he do this? Louis, Ro- <laughs> Louis Rocco. Five, five, five. <laughs> Three, five. I'm right. We're never going to get through this fucking episode. Oh, my God. All right. God, I'm not even drinking. I'm drinking friggin' iced tea here. Woo. And I was drinking. <laughs> yeah. He lost so he says, on the bike. <laughs> you smashed into some people. I'm trying to tell you the sidecar smashed her. All right. Stop it. Stop it. All right. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure room service in two time were ever played live. I mean, I don't think they were fooling anyone with those recordings in 97, especially room service. Let me know it was fantastic, but my vote went to take me should have made the cut on a live too. Yes. A lot of people said that. Alessandro, let me know. It's got great kiss history behind it. Great song. Very Beatlesque. My favorite off the debut album. Wow. That's a statement. Favorite song off the debut album is let me know. Okay. All right. Uh, and then a couple episode specific comments think, here that I we, we our go- buddy Ed is the same way with that. Is this with- the first? It was his first one he got into when he bought the album. Okay. Think, yeah, let me know is his big one too. Okay. Uh, and then our buddy Steve chimed in and says, idea for a future show. How about having the smoking hot and always great Carrie Stevens just do a four-hour intro to your show? And guess what? Carrie Stevens retweeted that and said, I'm in. <laughs> there you go. Not if uh, it's just fucking audio. That's true. Wait, 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 five bucks. You can watch the video, everybody. Fat man on guitar. They had the potential to be so cool, but they couldn't resist touching it up with voices 20 years older. And it showed that. And they put New York groove on the import version with Eric Carr on the drums. Yeah. Sean DeHaan room service was played live in 1975, but I'm with Tom. This doesn't even seem doctored like the other songs with the trigger drums. It's just a re-recorded song in the interview. Why easily could have put on something like, do you love me? And then Sean DeHaan said, excellent Petri Screeko reference. I have one of his Canucks jerseys. <laughs> oh, my God. That is awesome. Grim Richley, I really like the interview at the end. It has given my wife and I eng- endless quotes such as I concur and leave it on, please. Okay. Keith Rochford, great. Uh, oh, he, so he comments that we're doing that. He goes, great. Another craptastic live album. Can't wait to hear this review, and at least there's no city name for Paul to keep yelling. Love this podcast. Use guys are hilarious. All right, Keith. Thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, and that's Twitter stuff. Yep. A lot of people. Uh, look, I said this before. I don't think the album is that bad. It's a compilation. It's got some new stuff, whether it's real or live or fake or whatever. But it, it's okay. It's it's good for the collection. So, but uh, yeah. So that's Twitter, Zeus. Over on Facebook. Book. Kevin Jepson. Uh-oh. Best part of this is the packaging. Love the art. Take me is my favorite track, but because of the redone vocals, I really listen. But I was super excited when it came out. And to tease Tom, here is my vinyl. And he put I, a, a yeah, shot of it. I'm not surprised Kevin has the vinyl. He he yeah. he's he's a vinyl freak, so I knew that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Get vaccinated, brother. Uh Raymond. <laughs> 
I love the fucking The views expressed by Zeus do not reflect the views of everybody involved in Shout It Out Loudcast. There you go, brother. Raymond Gallus. This was a promotional primer released prior to the reunion tour. I actually purchased this myself as I had rarely listened to the original version of the band. It served its purpose, but I haven't listened to it since 1996. Yeah, I I I can't I honestly I don't think I remember listening to this uh, unless it pops up on shuffle when I do like a kiss shuffle on my phone. I, I don't I don't go out of my way to listen to it. Gerald, don't call <laughs> me Saul Rosenberg. I haven't heard the Leno interview since I first bought it. If memory serves, Leno wore a full clown costume while conducting it. I guess that was his way of taking a dig at the makeup and costumes. I can't see the band, especially Paul. Letting that slide today. They abused that interview, the interviewer who dared to wear an Iron Maiden shirt in their presence. What kind of reaction would a clown costume get today, even from a star like Leno? Is that true? He did yeah. that? Yeah, I think so. That's um, fucking that makes it even worse. Sheldon Bergenheyer. Thanks, guys, for another great episode. You reminded me to put this, pull this album out and give it a spin. Here's a picture of my signed Vinyl framed with the tickets from the 1996 through 2000. That's awesome. That's awesome. I saw that. Yeah, that's very cool. Nice collector's item. Oh, Matt Wallace. Uh-oh. Uh, rough. <laughs> yep. Go ahead. Bridget Fonda should open a restaurant called Bridget's Bearded Clam Shack. <laughs> Why Enter are we talking here. about Bridget Fonda? Enter here. Come inside. Once a month, all bearded claims clams served with cocktail sauce. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. Over oh, boy. on our Loudcasters group page, Tony Smith. I bet a million dollars that he doesn't have that Tom and Zeus ranked the interview as their least favorite track. Smart bet. Yeah. You think? Jason Warden. Another reason your podcast is definitely my fave. I had listened to them all and frankly got burnt out. Then I discovered you guys. I agree a lot with you guys, but not always, which is how it should be. This episode, like the previous ones, took me back. This is this time to a time where I was in love-hate relationship with my favorite band. I loved them, but hated the fact they had reunited. My favorite Kiss guitarist and drummer had been replaced. I read Jericho felt the same about the reunion when he wrote a piece for Metal Edge. Mm. But me, the fan, bought it for room service alone and felt like, Tom, it wasn't from the 70s. Rest of it, eh. At the time, I thought the Leno part was genius. It helped expose him to a new and possible younger folks. I've always been a Leno guy and really enjoyed it. I got it about a month before I saw the reunion show in San Antonio. I had 10th row and it was okay compared to seeing them on the hits tour twice, a club show in Dallas 92 and a one-off show they did here during the kiss my ass era where they played going blind. Nice. You wanted the best was the beginning of them mailing it in regard to the music. Mm. The reunion tour saved their asses around the world. And, uh, and the world seemed to love it. The tour numbers proved that. I've long accepted it, and I look back now. They were probably tired of having to compete. 
Now they don't have to. They can just be Kiss. I love all eras, but this review just made me appreciate the non-makeup era more. Well done. And agree, Alive 3 is the top live album reviewed so far. Mm. Wow, thanks, buddy. Nice. Great message. Yep. Martin Ryu. Really good episode. I didn't even knew this album existed until a few <laughs> years ago when I bought it at a used CD store for around five bucks. Not my favorite compilation, but I still listen to it from time to time. Thanks, Martin. Nice. Uh, thank you. Graham Richley. Great episode again. I love that you always make me go back and revisit my albums. Bang for your buck. You wanted the best is a stark contrast to the Tokyo release last week. Four live new deep cuts. And not all the obvious choices for the other songs from Alive and Alive 2. Good packaging and an interview. Paul and Gene, take note. Mm-hmm. Um, over on YouTube. YouTube. Matt <laughs> Weller's dick. This episode oh. is good. You two talk a lot. Okay. Okay. Is that... I- I mean, is that good? I mean, he said the episode was good. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to understand that logic. You two talk a lot. So what the fuck do you want to be on this podcast? Silence? <laughs> do you like Kiss? <laughs> do you like Matt Weller's dick comments? <laughs> what the fuck, if you think brother? we talk a lot, get ready for these next few episodes, oh, brother. What the fuck? That toy Bonnie guy. That's a great You wanted name. the best. You didn't get it. <laughs> this compilation was just a waste of money. Ooh. And it's a shame that Robert Conti couldn't release the compilation the way that he'd hoped. Paul and yeah. Gene's vocals sound so 1995-ish. It's not even funny at all. Because that's not how they sounded like in 1975 and 76. No. And what the fuck was up with that Jay Leno interview? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love Jay Leno. But that interview with him wasted 17 minutes of what should have been more music. Brutal. I'd love to know the story behind why that was on. I mean, I know why it was on there, but like who said, let's put it on this stupid. Mr. Antonio 2005. All right. Butch Goring just traded (laughs) his you wanted the best. You got the best CD to Reggie Lemlin <laughs> for his 2001 Tokyo Soundboard CD and Future Considerations. Nice. Great references After there. After this trade was announced, Mike Milbury is said to be furious as though as, as he thought he had a better trade deal offer for Butch Goring. Rumor has it that Milbury trade package included Peter Chris one for all, <laughs> Franton comes alive too, and the rights to the Saxon manager's girlfriend. <laughs> Thanks, Tom and Seuss, for another entertaining episode. Oh, that Jesus. Thank you for that. Awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh. Um, Devin Dungan. Great episode, guys. I've always enjoyed this compilation. Would have loved for them to do something else like this, but with a little more unreleased stuff, maybe a mix of live and demos. I've been hunting the Japanese version with New York Group for years. So cool for them to include that song. Devin, if you find it, let me know because I've been I've been combing the high schools for days. <laughs> I, I've been combing the eBay for days looking yep. for it myself. Nice. So, cool. Marty White. Uh-oh. 
Someone mentioned Gene forgetting part of the lyrics in I Love It Loud and want to tell you that what I've read about that. Gene always skips the second half of the lyrics in the second verse. He's been skipping them for nearly 40 years. I first noticed they were missing when I saw the 1983 Rio clip on Exposed. Yes. I've noticed they've been missing from performances over the years, so I've assumed it was intentional. But why? But a year ago, I read somewhere that Star Grandpa hates the song, thinks it's too plodding and repetitive. And apparently he wanted to make songs shorter, so they dropped that part. It's wow. also part of the kiss law that Ace Fraley quit the band when he became aware Paul planned to drop those lyrics. Ace already blamed Paul for his dog's death. The lyric troop dropping was the last straw. When Bill asked why he was quitting, Ace said, Eh, shit walls. We don't drop lyrics on Jendel. <laughs> I also heard that Paul made Vinny make nice with Ace, so Vinny bought him some Tupperware for his dog's body. <laughs> oh, oh no. Jesus Christ. Kiss is one big happy family. Oh, man. Yeah. Vinny so the dog I killer. I, yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're, you've got some stuff on... Uh, our email, correct? Yeah, we got some email. So Mike H, Mike H, we love you, buddy. Loyal listener, you reach out to us. But try to take your time and put everything in one email. You don't need to fire these things off, okay? We love you, buddy. All right? So uh, he's got one here about the set list. Because last episode in the news, we were talking about that interview that Paul did with that Rolling Stone guy, and the set list came up. Paul Everyman Stanley thinks the diehard fans that go to the shows or buy albums are a minority or, and this would be a travesty, he doesn't want to please us because he has our money and it's guaranteed. He wants to please the casual fan to try and get more of their money. He wants respect from the critics and industry insiders so bad it is embarrassing. I would ejaculate in my pants if the band tried to please the diehards with a different set list. This is why I love the cruise and convention stuff, but he makes us the diehards pay extra to get a decent set list by only doing deep cuts or cruises or special engagements. That sucks. It's a great point, Mike. You're right. Um, Then he says, I would love it if somebody actually answered Paul's rhetorical question of what would you take out when asked about adding songs to the set list? Nobody ever presses him on that. They just giggle and move on to the next question. It's also a good, a good uh, point there. Me and you Um, always say that though, Tom, we talk about that all the time. Yep. When he says that, it's like, okay, let's look at your set list. Let's go right down that list right now. I can name you six right off the top of my yep. fucking head if I want to do it at the time in front of him. Yep. Then he comments on Paul's face. My theory on Paul's lack of smiling. It's hard to smile when your facial muscles are surrounded by linoleum. Either that or he's extremely self-conscious with how he looks when he smiles. And then finally, Mike gets to the album you wanted the best. Thanks for reminding me about this compilation. Yes, it's a compilation. All right. We're not going to argue about that. Um, I forgot all about it. It was released in that era where they were seemingly releasing a best of album every two weeks. So I mistakenly lumped it in with those. The songs are this are right up the diehards alley, even if they obviously touch them up. But they, they quickly return to putting out rock and roll night every other day. Great show. And thank you once again. Shock me. All right. Good stuff, Mike. We love that. Um, and then we got an, an, an email uh, from James Thompson again. You wanted the best reaction. Guys, in addition to the incredible effort you two put into the podcast and the variety of topics you cover, I think I've pinpointed a major reason I check Shout Out Loudcast each and every week. It gives me a format to air my grievances from the past 30 years. 
I was an anomaly in high school and college. None of my friends like Kiss. Therefore, exactly none of them gave a fuck that 44-year-old Paul Stanley was singing on a track that was supposedly recorded in the 70s. I remember my disappointment with you one of the best very specifically. Kiss hadn't released anything since Alive 3, and even though I had mixed feelings about the reunion and the band turning into a nostalgia act, I was at least excited to hear something from the band I hadn't heard before. As you mentioned on the show, there wasn't a whole lot of information on the internet in 96, so for some reason I assumed all the tracks on this album were previously unreleased. I knew the four featured tracks were never released live in any format before, but I thought all the other songs like I Stole Your Love and Firehouse were going to be from randomly recorded shows from back in the day. Eh, nope. When I put the CD in and I heard room service, I instantly wanted my $13 back. Who are they trying to fool with these, quote, previously unreleased tracks? They were previously unreleased because they were recorded in May of 96. (laughs) (laughs) Paul's vocals on room service sound exactly like they came from a bonus track on Kiss Unplugged. You want to know where Bruce Kulik is on this album? Check out the solo on Ladies in Waiting. And if I wasn't already pissed enough by the third track, couldn't Gene couldn't even get the fucking lyrics right and let me know. It's Tuesday Taxi, not Tuesday Driver, you bloated asshole. Oh, Jesus. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. By the way, I think he might have meant uh, two-time because Ladies in Waiting isn't on there. Um, Then Rock Bottom comes on, and I realized it was from Alive. I felt like I was scammed out of my money, like I was mail-ordering some X-ray glasses from the back of a Spider-Man comic. Take Me sounds good, even though it's also newly recorded. The iTunes album has New York Groove on it, and that's the only track that's entirely authentic. It has some glaring mic feedback, and I'm pretty sure Eric Carr is the drummer, so I can guess that's why it wasn't widely released. Overall, this album foreshadowed what the band would do two years later, Gene and Paul attempting to recreate the 70s sound with a bunch of session musicians. Woo! James coming from the top rope. I love it. Good stuff, James. Thanks, buddy. Then we got one from our friend Jean-Francois. Uh, Hello, Tom and Zeus. I was quite busy lately. That is why I will comment on more than just this latest episode. No, you can't do that. On Eric Singer, I agree he is a very good drummer. He was part of the greatest solo hard rock era of Gary Moore. Uh, And then he sends a link uh, when he did a show with Bob Daisley and Neil Carter, not Nell Carter. Um, At 31, you could tell Eric is enjoying what he was part of. Having said that, I'm not fond of him being the cat man. I would have preferred for the new members to create the new characters. On, on Off the Soundboard Tokyo 2001, I also agree with you. One of the biggest problems I have in listening to it is the rhythm guitar. My feeling is that there is too much gain on it, and instead of having it doing a rhythm, it sounds like a chaotic magma to me. The riff of Firehouse is a good example. Even though I think you are a bit too harsh on Paul, at the same time it's true, I would rather we talk less. Thank you again for the good times you share with us. I hope my English is okay, and let me know if you one day happen to be in Paris. I will invite you to a good bottle of wine. Ooh, all right, Jean-Francois. Hey, and uh, to throw that in there, Jean-Francois, I got engaged in Paris. That's right. Yep. That's the kind of guy I am. Allô, Francais? Exactly. Like, like Kramer? I don't want to speak French again because I don't want to show off. Yeah, um, I don't blame you. Yeah. Our buddy West Beach, off the soundboard, um, got a copy I ordered from a company in England last Thursday, and I just got my Kiss Online order. Great T-shirt, which is why I ordered the bundle. Better late than never, plus nice to have the colored vinyl. Um, I don't get A&E, so I'm waiting for my friend to send me a DVD copy of the biography. Can't wait to see it, as well as all the review, the reviews or raves. We'll be interested to see how they handle Vinny Rock On. Yes, Wes, uh, glad you got off the soundboard, and uh, stay tuned for the uh, reviews of uh, history. Thank you, buddy, and thanks for all the emails, as always. Tom, I saved the best for last for this week. Uh, this is a 
YouTube Uh comment from Jason Leonard. My new band is named Jay Leno's Dungaree Jacket. (laughs) Another great episode, boys. Your analysis of Paul's ego and clueless opinions was spot on. I will never understand why he always says 90% of the fans don't know the deep cuts. Does he ever talk to any fans? No. Paul used to seem like a happy, driven guy, basically a music fan who made it to the top. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, he comes across like an aloof and arrogant tool. My two cents. Love your show. Thanks, buddy. That's awesome. And you, Jason Leonard, are this week's comment of the week. Good answer. Good answer. Like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. <laughs> Bravo. You get a cassette of you wanted the best, you got the best as a prize. <laughs> With an extended Jay Leno cut on it. Yeah, well, you know, you're going to get the extra part where I talk a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, you know. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hey, what'd you guys end up doing with Vinnie Vincent? I saw him backstage. He was like mopping yeah. the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah where, where, where's the vault? Where's, where's that vault? Huh? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. All Tom, right. Before we go over to Kiss World, we always want to give a shout out to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, Patreon, uh, if you want to find out what that's all about, you go to the app, Patreon, or you can go to patreon.com, P A T. P-A-N-T-R-E-O-N. And you can also find the information in the episode notes where you click on for this podcast. There's notes in there. We always have links to uh, like our email and things like that. There's one there to Patreon. Uh, We have a bunch of stuff in there for Patreon subscribers. The interaction is fun. The interaction with uh, all you guys. And we have some prizes and things for all our subscribers. And there's some, you know, inside stuff that we talk about over there. And uh, it's a fun, good little group that we got going on. Uh, somebody today try try to upload something for all our Patreon guys. We got to figure out how to get it on there for the subscribers. I think that was Steven that sent us that, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, it's a great little way. We have four different tiers. It's a way to help and subscribe and uh, contribute to the show and help us grow and do some of the things that we want to do to make this show even better for you guys. And all the support and stuff that you guys give us at Patreon is greatly appreciated and unfortunately needed these days. And uh, it is, uh, our, we have our undying uh, uh, appreciation for you guys, for all that you guys do. If this is something that interests you guys, you want to help us out, take a look at Patreon and uh, let us know. Yeah, huge debt of gratitude to you guys that are already part of the Patreon family. Uh, we can't thank you guys enough for uh your generosity and being a fan of the show and being part of the family and, and really helping out. Um, you know, we have a couple things on there that we try to keep together, everybody interacting and stuff. Uh, you know, we're going to try to increase that interaction and, and really get people involved in what's going on there. Uh, if you're curious, like Zeus said, to see what it is, check us out at uh, patreon.com or the app search for us. Um, multiple tiers there, different contributions and each contribution gives you, you know, a couple different extra things. So, Please check it out if it's something that you're interested in, and uh, we would be forever grateful for anything that you guys might be able to contribute. So thank you. That being said, Tom, what's going on in Kiss World? Well, the big thing, obviously, is the biography, which we're going to get into. But um, for people like us that are going on the cruise, woohoo, yeah, 
Um, Cruise Fest, uh, which is going to be awesome, was just uh, announced, kind of finalized some of the things. And uh, this is pretty exciting because they're going to be doing Bruce Kulik uh, will be performing a personalized set made only for those attending Cruise Fest. Also, ah, Ace is going to be at Cruise Fest. That's going to be interesting. But he's not performing. Dude, what's up with him? He's going to be this, there. He's, uh, I, I'm just going there to sign some autographs and meet and greets. He is milking all that the kiss does, but then he never, never wants to get tarnished that he's not rock and roll enough. I don't know like how he is about the merchandise and shit like that. He doesn't want the taint of that, but he's been doing that a lot more and giving a lot less. I thought, like, I've seen recently, like, what his meet and greets are on his tour with Alice Cooper. People yep. are like, that's like fucking double what it used to be. Yep. Yep. I, I don't understand how he's going to get a, how he, how he is going to get away with not even playing five or six songs. How, how do you have Ace Furley at Cruise Fest not pick up a guitar? I don't get That's ridiculous. I he hope. Jump up there because, um, what do you call it? We'll be there. Obviously, our friends, uh, the talisman will be there. That's what I was going to say. The, talis- the talisman are going to be there. Bruce is there. Maybe he'll jump up for a song or two, but I find it impossible for him to go to Cruise Fest unless it's part of the agreement. Un- unless like he signed something and said, hey, I am not playing. I'll be there. You can you can get your picture taken with me. Yeah. And he's going to be there doing his thing. I, I-, I just uh, I'm disappointed. He's gotten yeah. to be, you know, even more lazy, just, yeah. you know, going for the cash grab. Which is going to be uh, I'm interesting. Just going to be there now. We all want to get our picture taken with Ace. That's great and stuff. But who knows? Maybe he'll jump up. For, I'm going to jump up and play the song "Shock You." Oh, <laughs> shock let's, me! Let's see how lazy he is when we go see him because we get tickets to see him in August so, or September, whenever the hell it is. So we'll see about that. Yeah, and also at the Cruise Fest, like you said, the Talisman, and then just added a band Zeus and I have never fucking heard of, but of course our text group like, oh. Bisto Blanco. These guys are fucking great. I'm like, Bisto Blanco? Isn't, that, isn't that what fucking OJ's maid had said? See, si. see, si. he Bisto Blanco. <laughs> what was that? He's like the bleed Blanco. No, Blanco Blanco. He, Senior OJ, he drive Bronco Blanco. E, Senior OJ. Slice heads, then drive a Bronco Bronco on the highway. He get away in Bronco Blanco. Oh, that's who's playing at Cruise Fest? Bronco Blanco. No, no, no. Bisto Blanco. Oh, OJ's maid. (laughs) There you go. OJ's maid will be at Cruise Fest. Signing autographs. Oh, no. No more lemon pledge. No. (laughs) See, glove right here. (laughs) <laughs> all right holy shit man so that's cru- that's cruise fest that's gonna be amazing when we see bronco blanco so yeah. oh and yeah. the 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 uh i almost said the clansman <laughs> what do you call it the fucking um the, the what do you call it? now I'm, the, the talisman one the talisman not the clansman the talisman oh. their set is going to be an acoustic set on day one yeah, no, that'll be great. I'm, yeah. I'm excited and, for that. And yeah. you know, they you know they're gonna pull fucking some songs that we're all gonna go nuts over. <laughs> all right, love gun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> this one's uh, called Rock and Roll All Night. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, and then today, a big day in history for a lot of people. It is the 44th anniversary of the great love gun. Um, so, yeah. Keep it in your pants. Uh, I, I know. I know. I'm trying not to get too excited. Try not to get too excited here. So next year is the 45th anniversary, and they fucking better put something huge together for that, like they did with the CD. The CD... I, I know a lot of people complain about that, but at least they tried. They made the, the deluxe edition with demos and stuff. So um, that was pretty cool. So yeah, uh, Kiss has been posting a lot of that again. Today's Wednesday, the third June thirtieth. So that is the anniversary date. Um, but other than that, the the big buzz, of course, is Kissery, and um, you know we're going to be getting into that shortly. So yeah, yep, yep. Oh, one last thing, Tom. Gene Simmons has got his uh, master class. Gene Simmons axe.com where he'll teach you how to play the bass and i'll produce a song with you at my recording studio you'll go home with the signed personalized gene simmons bass dude is that true yeah how fucking bad is that fucking song going to be me and you will do a song together in 20 minutes Dude, it'll be like a remix version of My Uncle is a Raft or whatever the fuck that song was. My uh, Stanley the Parrot or whatever the hell that is. <laughs> yeah, he's been advertising this gimmick now for a little bit. Um, he's got another one out there. Yeah, it's, uh, the Gene Simmons Masterclass. He'll never go away. And I, I will I lo- teach you how to play a song. I love Gene. How can you You're not talking love to Gene? the man who wrote While the City Sleeps? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Think how bad this song's gonna be. If you oh. thought murder and high heels sucked, wait. <laughs> wait till Jerome and I from the Raytheon power plant put the chords <laughs> to this song. <laughs> He's coming in on his lunch on his lunch break with Bronco Blanco. <laughs> and we're gonna create an unreal experience. Oh, You'll God. find out. Um, yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. And one last thing before we go to the topic, um, please, if you get a chance, don't forget to go over to, uh, talk is Jericho. Uh, again, our episode on there where me, Tom and Sonny, uh, and obviously Chris, we had an album clash with rat, uh, out of the cellar versus invasion, your privacy. That episode is on talk is Jericho. On his podcast, tons of fun. Oh, it was yeah. a great time. And uh, if you get a chance, go take a listen to it. Absolutely. Great stuff there from Jericho. Yep. So, Tom, exciting time in history for us and all you, the fans, because the documentary that we've been hearing about and waiting for on AE debuted. So, part one. Sunday night, Eastern Standard Time, 9 to 11, Monday night, part two. We're going to break this down, and we're going to discuss part one and part one alone. It's uh, still two hours, but with all those commercials, probably about an hour and a half. Tons of fun. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Dude, I got to tell you real quick before we get into it. See, so I don't have cable, okay? I have all streaming services. I don't have cable, okay? So I did a seven-day trial of uh, one of the uh, streaming TV services so that I could get A&E and DVR it and, you know, watch it a bunch of times. I forgot what it's like to sit through like a fucking seven-minute commercial break. (laughs) I thought thought there was something. I thought I'm like, wait. This is still a commercial. Like, what is going on here? Yeah. Like that that was unbelievable. I don't know how you guys do this with this fucking TV all the time like this. It's like unbelievable. Like you're I right. You wa- I never watch anything live. I DVR everything and fast forward them. Ex- you have to. It's brutal. It's fucking brutal. But anyways, I thought that was crazy because you're right. A two hour episode was probably about 90 minutes in actual, you know. One of the things though I did find out is I think you can buy it now on Amazon for five bucks. Well, I was going to say that I know in the past, because I checked this out, A&E sells their biographies on DVD. They're, they're like their official DVD releases, like mm-hmm. biography of, you know, fucking JFK or their, yep. you know, whoever. So, but do you think Gene and Paul are going to let A&E sell, uh, you know, history on, on, I don't know, we'll see. But they are, you can buy it for five bucks and have it in your Amazon online library. That I did not know, but I'll check that. I'll check that out. But I'd yeah. love, I, I, but there are certain things like you where I like to have like the, 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 the physical copy. So if this does come out as a DVD, I'll buy that. But if they have it on, um, on Amazon, I'll buy that and have it in my digital library for sure. Yeah. So, but, I mean, but that uh, being said, go ahead. Which led to a lot of people and I want to start this thing off with this but which led to a lot of people saying see this is part of the reason that ace and peter knew that this would happen you'll get paid for this and they're like yeah what about the rights to this what about streaming services what about this they've been down this road with gene and paul before yep and i think that's what ends up happening and unfortunately that's what you know ends up being uh something So right now, 
I can buy episode one on HD for $2.99, buy season one HD $4.99, which I mean, I believe that's just saying buy both of them. Both episodes. Okay. Yeah. So five bucks, two, three bucks to buy one. And then you get a break of a buck if you buy both. To me, that's a no brainer. How many of us are buying those? Of course. Which leads us to Gene and Paul. What about the fucking kiss app? But that's another story. Exactly. Right, right, right. Um, Just just to let you know, if anybody's out there and interested, they can buy it on Amazon and have it on the Amazon Prime. Five bucks. I think that's a pretty good deal. Hell yeah. Yep. And I don't want to tell Gene and Paul that shit. I would have bought if it was 10 bucks. Oh, me too. I, w- I probably <laughs> would have paid. I probably would have paid 20 bucks for it. Yeah. So I'll to be have it always. You. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it came out. Uh, I watched it with my in the main TV room area. Uh, I had uh, you were just there. You and Murph. Yep. Uh, last week with me hanging out. And so I just shut everything down. Nobody bother me. Leave me alone. I want to watch this. Um, I watched it when I was done. I had so much fucking energy. I didn't know where to go, what to do. I couldn't jump on. I know some people were doing live streams and shit. That's fucking insane. I could never do that right then. I need to kind of take it all in, but I needed some source. So I want to say a thank you and a tip to the hat to our buddy, Steve Wright, over at Potter Than Hell, because I knew he was up, and uh, he was actually working at the firehouse, and I b- buzzed him at the what? Woo! <laughs> so I bugged him, and me and him just fucking rambling stuff, and I felt like a little kid. Oh my god, I saw this, and then they did this, and then he did this, and then he did this. It sounds like fucking uh, Eddie Murphy, and pop, and then he did this, and then he said this, and he said this. Right, and if you and if you're wondering why Zeus didn't talk to me after the episode, two reasons: a, we would have never done that because we save it for the episode. Yes, uh, and secondly, I only watched the first hour because I get up at the crack for work, so staying up till ten o'clock was a struggle for me. I, I DVR'd, so I I finished it, but so, um, but yeah, no, we we love Steve, and we know Steve's up at all hours and always willing to shoot the shit, especially about Kiss. So that was good. Yeah, Steve, uh, Steve, tip of the hat to him and saying thank you for that. But I had so much energy. So yep. for yep. you guys out there, just so you know, we don't talk about shit like this. Me and Tom haven't talked about the episode. I don't know if nope. he's going to come back and say I fucking hated it nope. or he's going to say he loved it. My thinking is he's going to be like me. He's going to shit on it and then fucking say how much he loved it. That's how I am. I don't know. I think he'll probably do the same. Maybe. We wouldn't have it any other way. If you have mixed emotions, it's kiss. We got to break everything down. To the smallest of minutiae facts or wait a minute, that's out of line. That's not in order. Wait, this that, that's how we are. It's fucking Jericho. I just saw him do another interview online yesterday or something where he talked about it. Kiss Star Wars fans and fucking wrestling fans. We love to shit on everything. We love it. We break everything down, but that's our thing. This is our band. We get to do that. We don't like outsiders shitting on them, but we get to do that. And I will say, overall, or on only on episode one, I loved it. I fucking loved it. It was something new. It was something different. It was fresh to me. Um, I loved it. I have a lot of things to bitch about, which I will. But 
I've said this to you a million times. I love Star Wars so much. They can do a fucking Star Wars movie with R2-D2 taking a shit. And I'm like, oh, did you see that fucking Star Wars movie? I'm going to go see it. R2-D2 is taking a dump throughout the whole fucking movie. And I, here's my money. Like, I don't care. It's our, It's Star Wars. I don't care. It's Kiss. But I'll bitch about it. The one thing about this that that was and, and, and it's just it's just like that visceral feeling that you can't express you can't pretend sitting down and getting ready for this mm-hmm. i had that feeling of like this is why i love this band you get it, it, it there's an excitement because you you know what you're gonna see because the story's been told but you don't know what you're gonna see how you're gonna see it and I'll tell you right now, I couldn't love this more. I, I I could not love this more. It was it was everything I expected times ten. I, I there, there were a couple of surprises, obviously, especially part one. We know this. We know the story. We know there's. We learned very little, if anything. There's a couple little tidbits. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I don't think I remember that. A couple things that I that we saw, both video and photo that were new, that were amazing and giddy. That that gets you excited. But I loved it. I loved every bit of it. Uh, I, I was thrilled for it. I, I was. It kind of gave me. It re it re-energized my passion for the band after a couple of episodes where we talked about you wanted the best. And we talked about sound off the soundboard, which was a mm-hmm. fucking dud. And the other thing I wanted to say too, you guys have been listening to us. You know how we are. We, we're not jaded, cynical KISS fans. We're realistic KISS fans. When something's great, we tell you it's great. When something sucks, we're gonna tell you it sucks. And for me, off the soundboard sucked. I mean, it was exciting to have it, but I listened to it and it sucked. This was fucking amazing. And for the people that don't understand what A&E biography is, biography, the word, it's the story about someone or something. You're not going to get into super deep minutia, but I will say they got into some things here that I was very impressed with the way they carried. I thought it was superbly produced and edited. I thought it was done amazingly well, and we're going to pick it apart and we're going to get into the things that we didn't like, because I'm sure there's a lot, but overall, I, I, I love it. This is something I will continue to watch. And I will tell you right now, Zeus and uh, Murph, you can listen to this too. To me, they took everything I love about extreme close-up and put it on steroids. It's, it's extreme close-up with more extreme close-up in it Mm -hmm. with more, because it's not just Gene and Paul. It's, it's, all these other voices and all these other people. And I just thought it was fucking spectacular. Two thoughts right off the top. Number one, we know they were going to do shit. that were going to drive us nuts. Yep. You know how we knew that? And we told you guys that because we did kiss bingo again. There you go. We certainly did. Uh, I think Jericho must've fucking texted us like five times telling us how he was dying oh, laughing about my it. God. It was in Zeus and I, we spend a lot of time putting this kiss bingo together. We did it. We did it for the Dubai New Year's Eve show and we did it for this. And I would say we got probably three fourths of them. Oh, I'm not going to go over it. It's online. We tweeted it. Uh, It's on Facebook. If you want, take a look, find it. 
uh, kiss bingo. It was just things that we expected to be said. Yep. Uh, you know, th- there was tons of that shit in there. Yep. Um, and it was the- fucking right. And you guys got a kick out of it. And uh, I loved it. I love that yep. you guys understood and got our sense of humor. Yep. And, you know, we do it in jest. We love the band, but there's a lot of cliches, you know, it was going to come up. Yep. And uh, they, they fucking hit three fourths of them. I'm telling you, it was. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, and speaking of the, and speaking of the cliches, one thing before we get, before we pick it apart, I, the, one of the reasons why I thought this was so expertly done was that they did it for, they did it for people that don't know kiss because it's a and E, but I think they did a really nice job of fan service nerding out. There's a lot of minutia in here that people that aren't kiss fans are like, Really? I don't need to know. Like, that's kind of okay. That's a little much. Like, first of all, you're talking about a two night, four hour event like that right off the bat. How can you not fucking love that? So I I, I just thought it was I, I, I to sum it up. I couldn't be more impressed and more excited and happier with it. There's going to be things that we're going to talk about, of course, but that's my overall thing. I, I, I I'll put it this way. I've watched it three times. <laughs> okay. I've watched part one three times. It's one of those things that I believe uh, you watch it on bands, you know, and like everybody our age, I believe in their forties to sixties went through a point in time where they remember growing up where kiss was the biggest thing. Yep. So regardless, at one point I'm assuming most people were into them. Mm -hmm. So if it comes on the TV, they like watch it. So I think of somebody like my brother at one point, he liked kiss and stuff. If he sees it, He's sitting down. He'll watch it. It's yep. like like if any biography came on and Twisted Sister came up, I'd yep. probably watch it. And I don't fucking know anything by them except the songs on Stay Hungry, maybe a couple other ones. But I'd find it kind of interesting. I'd watch it. So I think this is going to do well. It will appeal to those people who are like, holy shit. And it appeals to us. So in that sense, you're never, you're never going to please everybody. But I think they got, you know, the bang for their buck. They hit that right spot where they got everybody to kind of like this. Nobody's really shitting on it. So, and that's the one thing that I think I got to tip my hat because, yeah, everybody's going to say, I would have done this. I wouldn't have done that. We all are going to have our opinions and you're going to hear our opinions right now. But for the most part, they did a good job. Yeah. And, and, and you said it. I think, you know, you're right people that are casual fans or people that are a and E fans, they, you know, because a biography is, is interesting by nature. That's why that that's one of the longest running shows on, on a and E is biography. Mm-hmm. Um, and me and you are, 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 are the same where we love to like get into the minutia of the things that we love, yep. whether, whether it's music or history or star Wars or kiss mm-hmm. or whatever. And like, even, even though, you know, the story, you still love watching things that you love. Like, okay, we've seen, we know how, we know the story of Empire Strikes Back. We've mm-hmm. seen the movie a hundred times. If it's on right now, I'm going to fucking watch it because I love it. And I love the characters and I love the story and I know how it's going to end and I don't care. And I love it. That's how I felt watching this. I know this story, but I love the characters and I love the story and I love the drama and I love the visuals and I'm going to watch it and I'm going to eat it up. So I've seen like the Godfather a million times. 
every time it's on, if there's a special and it's Francis Ford Coppola or a reunion, a round table, it's De Niro, uh, Diane Keaton, Pacino, they're all talking about it. I'll stop. I'm listening to it. Yeah, I know. They're describing the scene. I've seen it a gazillion times. That's mm-hmm. how Salazzo gets killed. And then there's that one part that you don't remember that they'd say, holy shit. Yeah, he does, you know, tilt his head. And what is Michael thinking when he shoots him? And he comes like you hear it and you're like, oh, my God, I yep. just learned something new. It's the same thing with Kiss. I can watch it a million times. I was born in Israel. I yep. know. But every single time there's sometimes he'll tell the story. There's a little bit of a new fact he puts in there. And you're like, oh, shit. Yep. Yep. Right. And there's yep. so many little things like that that popped up that it, 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 it's those fucking things that stay in our head. And be like, that's why I love that. That's yep. right. And more importantly, let, you know, I know we've been rambling. Let's get to the actual breakdown of the episode in the show. But more than anything, I felt like proud. This is our band. Yep. This is our band. They're doing a fucking documentary on our band. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, 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 and what, felt and, like it was your band. And what a story to be told. A, a unique, interesting story that, again, we've heard a million times, but it's still a fucking amazing story. Yep. Yep. So, so let's just start. Um, the first thing I put up here, you know, they show in different clips and stuff. There's the uh, Rogers Arena. You know, we all know they opened up in uh, Vancouver for the end of the road tour. And there's the voiceover by Paul. And like, even the smallest thing that we're going to fucking get into is like, of course, Paul's going first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I know this is a cynic in me. Like, I can't yep. let that shit go. I'm like, of course, Paul's going. I'm going to open this gym. Go ahead. No problem. Yep. Um, Paul's voice goes over. Um, Rogers Arena. We all know what happens. The, co- the you know, the show, they, they show them opening up, them playing Shout It Out Loud. I'm like, why are they playing Shout It Out? Like, just things like that. The fan in me, the fickle fan is like, why are they showing them starting with Shout It Out Loud? Because they're doing it for us. They want that to be the new intro to our show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, I- I'm like, huh. And at one point they called Paul in the beginning of there, the Harlequin lover. Like, what? I've never heard that expression. Did such you hear weird, that? Yeah, such a weird term. Is Because I think that's what he said. That's yeah. how, That's what I thought he said. I'm like, Harlequin Lover? What the fuck is that? Um, and then, they, you know, it just shows them the background, them rehearsing for End of the Road. And you could tell that's them prior to the tour starting. We've spent months recording, as Paul says. And then again, the cynic in me is saying, yeah, I'm getting the tapes just right while they're playing, getting everything to sync up because they're like, this is how it's going to be for the next two and a half years. We're not changing shit. Yep. So let's get this thing right. Yep. Um, yeah, I, 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 I liked, I liked the, the, the beginning because obviously you're not going to start off with, I was born in Israel. Like it's, you gotta, you gotta set the stage for what we're doing. So you there, I thought it was a nice way to see that. One thing I thought that was interesting, you know, and, and obviously we're going to get back to Paul and Gene, the band, I'd like to know what you think, because I heard a lot of people kind of being like, what the fuck about Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine and Dave Grohl from Nirvana and Foo Fighters being the celebrity kind of show hosts. What, what, what did you think of that? I think, in my opinion, if you're going to pick two people to talk about Kiss, 
they're smart to take those two. Why wouldn't you? Everybody knows David Grohl. Everybody loves him. He's the quintessential guy in rock right now to have him describe your band. Everybody loves the guy and he's given credibility. Tom Morello, talk about, you know, uh, credibility. I, I mean, I know people don't, a lot of people don't like Rage Against the Machine and stuff, but he's been a kiss fanatic promoting the band for years. And he's a different style. And yet he's still giving Kiss credit. Like he's part of the him and Dave Grohl were the part of the bands that kicked Kiss and all its kind of fucking brethren down a flight of stairs in the nineties and stuff. I think it's perfect to have those guys. They're both great speakers. They're both lovers of the band and they're passionate. I think it works. I mean, who do they want to have? Mark Slaughter? I mean, who else yeah, is going to speak for them? Yeah, no, I thought it was perfect. I mean, first of all, Tom Morello inducted Kiss into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So that kind of made sense. He's a huge fan. He's got credibility. Uh, you kind of bring in, you know, a quote-unquote younger audience, quote-unquote newer bands to talk about this iconic band Kiss. Dave Grohl is the nicest guy in rock, and he's a huge Kiss fan. So you're not going to have controversial you know, guys that can't speak well, they're, they're lovers of the band. They're fans of the music They're And you could tell when they talked that they were giddy like us, they, they loved talking about them. So for me, I loved it because two of my favorite bands are rage against the machine and Foo fighters. I love those two guys. So that was a nice surprise to see them, but you're right. As I'm watching, like, okay, who else could they have had? Should they have had like another classic rocker guy from who the seventies? Fashion box, Scott Ian. Right. Ex- that not both, that there's both- anything wrong with them. Both of those would have made sense. Just like you you wouldn't understand him. Right. Scott Ian, God bless him, isn't a big of a name anymore because he's an 80s guy. Right. You know what I mean? And those guys are in the 90s. Dave Grohl's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think Rage was recently nominated and they should be. Critics love them. Fans love them. They got credibility. It's hard to get an 80s guy in there to describe them when half the people in the 80s. Um, you know, aren't as respected as those guys, and those guys are in every dock. There's because they get credibility behind their name. That, that's yep. how I look, right? Yep, yep. So, yeah, so the, you get that little intro bit of them, you know, doing some behind the scenes stuff, kind of laying the groundwork. And then Paul is like, you know, but it wasn't easy getting there, type of thing. And then that's when it kind of stops, and then you begin the journey of the band. And you got Gene talking about he's born in Israel, Paul talking about he grew up in an Irish Catholic area in New York. And it is actually true. Both of them were outsiders. Yep. Paul, because he just felt like a little nerdy kid um, in a tough community and he didn't fit in. And Gene, literally, because he was an immigrant who couldn't speak the language. Mm-hmm. So you had those two factors. And they both talk about the fact that they kind of ended up going, you know what? I get that. I can watch TV and see the Beatles and people going nuts and hear that music and go, I understand that, even if they have a language barrier and things like that. And they talk about it, you know, and then um, in that whole segment, you got Paul for the first time of what seems like several times talking about his year and stuff. And we all know about that stuff, buddy. But holy Christ, it became like, I think within like a couple minutes, Tom, there was already a couple of. Twitter handles Paul's ear. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I mean, it, 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 yeah, became, I mean, it became a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, God love Paul, and we know that he's very sensitive and that, you know, I'm not I'm not going to pretend to understand what it's like being a kid in a neighborhood like that with with a kind of, you know, a, a physical deformity and having to deal yeah. with with that. I get it. Um, he will continue to talk about about the, 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 his comments on that and how he continually brings it up. And, and uh, you know, that's his right. But, you know, this is this is the part of the stuff that I think is very, very interesting. Again, it's not new. For people like me and Zeus and for you guys listening, you know the story of Gene, you know the story of Paul, but it it's still nice to start from the beginning and kind of pave that road ahead so that you, you get that, you know, and I thought it was interesting too the passion that Gene and Paul both talked about, uh, you know, being Jewish and in, in living in those communities and what they had to deal with both personally and their families. I thought you, one thing I will say, I thought you got, yes, you got the cliches. But I think there were moments in this where you got some kind of like some rawness, some 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 honesty from the two of them, which is not something that you see a lot from Gene and especially Paul. So I thought that was kind of an interesting, an interesting thing to start with. Yeah. And you notice how Paul didn't bring up Renaissance, Paul. Never. He didn't bring up. He nope. didn't bring up. I was listening to Mozart. Nope. I was listening to the Temptations. Nope. He would just talk about. The Beatles, because he's yep. not hockey. Because maybe, maybe Gene put his foot down. This isn't a Soul Station fucking uh, right. promotion. We're talking about Kiss here. Well, yep. anyways, they talk about the Beatles, and then they show them showing up in modern day times at Electric Lady Studios, which is awesome. Love them that. showing up there and then walking down and describing who they saw and their times there. Stevie Wonder and. Steven Stills and all these other people And they're telling stories, war stories Of them starting out And then they bring up the legendary meeting How they met And uh, <laughs> and then Paul introduces Sunday Driver and Gene brings My, <laughs> my, my uncle uncle, uncle is a raft <laughs> Yes, raft a, uh, R-A-F-T Raft yeah. yep. um, But This is what I loved there are certain things in here that I'm like, holy crap. The thing that was like that stood out to me was Paul. I know Gene was going to be heartfelt. I know Gene would fucking knock it out of the park. I know Gene is going to be awesome at these things. I'm like, which Paul are we going to get? You know what we got? We got likable Paul. We yep. got humble Paul. Yep. We got reflecting Paul. Yep. This was the Paul that I liked. Paul says meeting Gene was the key to it all. When I hear things like that, I'm like, oh, dude, why don't you stick with this stuff? Why don't you act like this stuff again? Oh, when I heard that, I was like, holy God. And then I went to, yes, Eddie Kramer's in this fucking A. I didn't know that. I'm like, yes. When I saw that, I was like, Holy fuck, when now we're going somewhere with this documentary. Because when I referenced extreme close-up, you just got Paul, Gene, you know, a little bit of Bruce, a little bit of Eric Singer. You didn't get these people that contributed to the birth of Kiss. Now you got Eddie friggin' Kramer. And he's not there just to talk about alive or rock and roll over. He's talking about meeting them and doing demos and getting into it. It's Eddie Kramer. You know, the thing is, too, you we hear Eddie Kramer, things like that. 
I'm always wondering, like, is it too late? Are they so old? Like, they can't tell relevant stories. And nope. He's in tip-top shape. Like, yep. you know, he's not that. Because you're thinking, like, oh, he must, be, he must be, like, 90 now. Is he fucking dead? No. He's, like, telling these stories. He's got his wits about him. Awesome. He was awesome in this whole thing. So uh, yep. and now they end up talking about Wicked Lester. And they talk about uh, the different aspects. They go, we got a guy with a beard. And he, he says, um, <laughs> I love that he brings up because my childhood chum. Yeah. As he describes Steve Cornell, better known as Steve Petty. I can't believe he brought him up. I'm surprised nice. he brought. Not only did he bring him up by name, they showed him a still photo and identified Steve Cornell. But, but again, here's the thing about that, Zeus. The people watching this on A&E Biography, they don't know that story. We do because we're kiss nerds, but that nobody knows that story. So it's not like it's like front page news, like fucking Bill Cosby being released from prison today. Yeah. You know, yeah, so. But, but, but he I got his childhood chum. Yeah. And they talked about that and they were talking about the differences in Wicked Lester. And they're so right. Hey, there's a trombone. Let's put that in there. Let's put the like no cohesion. It's just a, a mishmash of like stupid shit and. And like that's, it, but it wasn't really what they wanted to sound like or look and, like. And that's what I love too, because you start right off with honesty. Like, the, like they, they were like, yeah, you know, oh, there was a hit with a trombone. Let's put a, tr-. like they, they were kind of acknowledging, like, yeah, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Like, cause they, they, I liked how they weren't like, well, this was like refined songwriting and musicianship. They were like, this is fucking terrible. We knew it. <laughs> like they're yeah. honest. And I'll tell you one thing that I loved. And this is the little stupid emotional shit that comes with being a Kiss fan. There are segments in this where Paul and Gene are sitting in the same room Mm -hmm. looking at each other while they talk. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that was such a big deal to me, but I've never seen them casually sitting in a room, Paul showing his bare feet, talking to each other and, and, and looking at each other and showing reactions and emotions to what each of them are saying. I thought that was fucking fantastic. All right, so this is uh, I'm going to go off on uh, on a, uh, an emotional thing. This Please is why do. I love doing this podcast with you. Yep, you hit you hit something that I, you know. Every once in a while, we're we're on the same page. Every once in a while, I'll bring something up. Every once in a while, you bring something up. I always feel like if I miss something, you'll find it. Yep, and you did. You're so true. Like I, I couldn't put my mind, like my finger on it, but you're right. Every other thing we do, it always seems like it's rehearsed. Paul's to the left or Gene's to the left, whatever. And they talk to the camera and they've got their preordained script and they're just talking stuff. But it's like you're fly on the wall listening to them reminisce about the golden days and yeah. not like, yeah, you sucked. Yeah, I created everything. You didn't do shit. Oh, yeah, if it wasn't for me, like they're just fucking shooting the shit. And you kind of almost feel like this is how they might be talking in when we're not around and Paul seems authentic, not like the cameras. Hold on. Yes. It was going to be like a roller coaster. Like he just seems like he's talking to go off topic a little bit. (laughs) Dude, put some fucking shoes on. Dude, I, I, I can't socks on. How what the not- fuck is that, dude? I thought there was going to be another Twitter handle called Paul's feet after somebody had Paul's ear. I mean, 
Sebastian Manic when a scalpel must be oh, yeah. fucking turning over his grave. And all I can think about is they're at Paul's house, Paul's barefoot. I'm like, how many of his disgusting toenails ended up in that carpet that fucking Kevin Jepsen just bought? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Jepsen's got Paul's toe jam in his fucking dirty carpet that he just spent like a hundred bucks for for his. He's fucking- got the he's got the clippings right in there with the animal eyes rug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the dirty black dead fucking toenail <laughs> stuck into the carpet. Like, regardless, to get back to what you said, yes. Yeah. That them two talking to each other about kiss stuff. Yep. Not meant to impress the interviewer, just between them two was fantastic. And I love when you know, and Paul not so much, but Gene, the facial expressions they were well, making. Like, loved it like the, yep. the like the the grimaces or the agreement the the way he was interacting with them and then they talked about how they're like this isn't working so we told the band we, we fire them and they told us you can't fire us we're staying then gene goes okay then we quit we quit and they go right yep. to commercial and i was like yep. fucking a like was- gene just knows how to fucking end a segment yep that was awesome that it was, was I, awesome. I love that. I thought that was a that was perfect. And then you come back from commercial. Oh, 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 before oh, you do. Okay, I'm sorry. I see the commercial for our show coming up in Mansfield. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Right? Yep. And yep. I'm like, that's yep. us. That's our show coming up in August. That's right. They were advertising that. So yep. I wrote that in there just then. But go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say you come back from the commercial, and what do you see on the screen? The disclaimer. Peter and Ace. Uh, what did they? What was the word they use? Refuse to participate in this documentary. They don't. The, they don't. Uh, you know, subscribe to the views or whatever the language yeah. was exactly. Yeah. Um. Anyways, then they talk about, and we'll get to them because there's a, an important part I want to mention that around oh, yeah. this time yep. that I picked up. But Gene talks about. Then he went upstate New York, and this is some more shit that's like tugging at you. Tugging at you as Kiss fans The shit that you've been begging For Paul to do as the star child To get back to the old Paul Paul said well I'm coming with you And Gene's like Why did you want to do that And Paul said I knew I was stronger with you And Gene was like oh Honestly He felt like I was like going to cry I can't that's what I'm saying I mean this is why we're such Kiss nerds That hit me Because Paul looked real and Gene's reaction looked real. Paul was like fucking like, like, yeah, even like expressing like, like his gratitude to Gene and like, and, and, and telling him like, I couldn't do this without you. Usually you get these days, Paul being a little pissy and trying to put Gene in his place and saying, this but, is me. But then Paul followed up with saying, yeah, cause I was thinking about me. And then Gene yeah. looks at the camera like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. But he's basically saying, selfishly, yeah. I knew I couldn't make it on my own. Correct. I needed you. So yeah. I know it's like great to hear it, but like, yeah, I was thinking of me because right. I needed you. Yep. Um, that was just awesome. And again, the two of them talking to each other and this getting said, I'm sorry, when have you ever heard this? It's either one talking to an interview or something like that, but yep. we're seeing them saying this to each other. Mm-hmm. They could have stopped the was, documentary right then. I'd be like, "Here's my ten bucks. Here you go. You're fine." Which I, I saw something was, you I'll never see. I never expected to see. 
Yeah, which was brilliant because th- there's not a lot of that in the documentary, and I'll, I keep referring to extreme close-up. There's none of that in extreme close-up. So to see that, I thought was real, and I thought it was great that they did that segment when they were talking about their roots, their yep. the origin of the band. And you get and you you look at Paul and Gene and and watching some of this, it's almost like there's a little bit of self awareness there that hey, this is it. Like, this is our story. We have to tell it the right way, and we're telling it the right way. And it's an emotional story for both of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then when they get into, you know, how they change their names, well, he's right. Oh. This is the best rock band. And you got Stanley Eisen with Chaim Witz. That was, like, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, Paul just made a joke that's kind of funny. Yeah. The biggest band funny. in the world, Stanley Eisen and Chaim Witz. Woo! Like, <laughs> You're Paul Stanley. Well, then I'm Gene Simmons. Yep. From Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great if he did that just then. Oh, I know. Right. The and then yep. it goes to the part that we're all very familiar. They see Peter's ad in Rolling Stone. Yep. Okay. And then they go into and you have Peter's ad. And now you. this is the part where you're like, okay. I wouldn't assume to see Peter or Ace talking because they're not in the picture yet. If you're telling the story and if all four members were in the band, this is where you would kind of begin. And then instead of Peter telling his story, biographering and everybody loves Ken Sharp comes in and he narrates the Peter story, which I like. It wasn't Gene giving Peter's story. It wasn't Paul. It was a third party given unbiased, tarnished, like, story of how peter ends up in the picture i thought having the ken sharp stuff i was like again i'm like this is fucking great another guy an outsider who knows the band you know biographer ken sharp that was spectacular but then talking about peter and eventually to ace i'll make it just a general statement i thought it was brilliant and i thought it was very very well done how they had voiceovers for Peter and Ace, and they explain where the in, where the sound clip came from in the year that it was uh, came from. And the thing I like about it is they were honest clips. You could almost picture Peter saying those things himself if he was there in person. They didn't just take all the stuff that was all flowery and beautiful. They they had some things, you know. As we'll, we'll continue talking about part one and part two, but I thought that was a really nice way to include the voices of Ace and Peter in this documentary. I put in my notes here. I'm watching this. So far, it's not awkward that Peter and Ace aren't in his. Nope. Not at all. I don't think they're, they, yeah, I think they're represented. I think they're saying it. You wouldn't think anything of it that they're not in it. So I'm thinking to myself, they look small by not being in this. And I'm not taking because I'm on Gene and Paul's side versus Ace and Peter's. I agree. I'm just saying, I believe they look small. The fuck you couldn't go into all oh, the money wasn't good. Like, Jesus Christ, how much money is it? You know what? Maybe you didn't have to shoot for the moon. You could have met somewhere in the middle. I'm well, they sure were, they, they both sides dug in. Or, or or whether it was money or, or I, I want final approval on what goes in this final document. Final fucking Fuck. approval. Yeah, just whatever. Um, but I just felt like I wasn't missing out. The way this came nope. across so far, I'm like, you guys just look stupid. Why wouldn't you go on and do this? I agree. It just it didn't look good for them. Yep, um, I agree. What I liked is they're telling the stories. Gene Sot's talking about, and I don't remember ever hearing this said like this. Well, maybe we'll just be the power trio because mm-hmm. Peter has that whiskey voice. Yep. And 
we can just do three part harmonies because he's a basically a good singer, in other words. Yep. And I'm like, huh. I don't remember him complimenting Peter and saying that maybe, we'll, you know, I've heard about three part before Ace comes on because, yep. you know, when it came to the solo, I would just be wailing my. I remember Paul telling that story. Yeah. 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 Okay. But then they get to the part where Ace and you're like, you know, the sneaker story is going to come in. Yep. And they start talking about narrating how. Ace comes in, and I noticed it's kind of weird. Paul called him a kid twice. Why? I yeah, don't know. This kid, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's really like, if, yeah, if yeah. This this kid comes in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. Uh, but Paul said his solos made sense. So far, they're praising Ace. I put. Um, oh yeah. And then we get into you know the cliche of like, what's our look? We have the band. We have the sound. And yep. they talk about you know coming up with. Uh, Football players in drag and the New York Dolls and, you know, they were just talking about how the makeup came about. And we've heard these stories before. They go to somebody came up with Woolworth and even Gene said, maybe it was me. Maybe it was one of the others. I don't remember. Like, yeah. This is the, the segments like this that I that I like, because, yes, we, we know the story inside and out. We could write it. But the thing I liked about this, they added some additional still photos and some clips yep. that we never saw it was it was beautifully edited and put together it really was i mean and i don't expect anything less from a and e i mean you, you top tier kind of a network to put yeah, this stuff because together they even have like stuff that you probably wouldn't get in a kiss themselves document. right like stock still footage show, still shot of woolworth or people right. buying things at stores and yeah you know regular stuff that you would yeah. see Exactly. So it was it was interesting stuff, and then obviously they get into they're talking about how their makeup on, and then uh, <laughs> Paul said, you know, I have a wish list for me, and his wish list was that he wasn't, but he wished, and he says that's what I became: confident, brash, great looking. Okay, settle down, settle down. Here we go, Stanley Burt like, Eisen. Is, is right. this what's going to start happening? That he became great looking. Oh, okay. Like, yep. and I'm like, oh, God, here we go. But he and wasn't. Then, he wasn't. And then to talk, talking about the makeup and stuff, one of my biggest takeaways from this entire thing, maybe this has been said before. If it did, I don't recall it having the impact that it had here. But Paul said, I may have always been the voice of Kiss, Gene was always the face of Kiss. He hit it out of the park talking about his design. And I was like, that right there is gracious Paul Stanley, which you don't see often. And not only is what he said gracious, but it's correct. Gene is the face of Kiss. When you think of Kiss, you think of the demon, the blood and the fire. When you think of the music, you think of Paul singing, you know, the stage banter. So I, I, I applaud him for, for that. And I thought that was excellent, well stated by him. Unbelievable. You're yep. absolutely right. To hear Paul say that Gene is, and we've said, I mean, I, my thing has always been saying the, you know, Paul is the band, Gene is the brand. Right. But he admits that Gene is the face of it. You're yep. not going to say that the fucking guy with the star on his face is the image when people think of Kiss. It's the fucking fire-breathing, blood-spurting, crazy-ass demon guy. And speaking, of, guy. and speaking of Paul with the star, here's one thing I didn't know. And again, I, I've read all the books. I've seen all the documentaries. I don't recall this, hearing this in the past, that Paul at one point had two stars, one on each eye. 
and removed one because he said he had like an asymmetrical head. And then he made a comment about his ear again. And I was like, well, you're the crooked man. That's why you have an asymmetrical <laughs> I, I head. Did you see? I'm like, because you had a crooked face. See? <laughs> That's why we do this show. But I was like, I, I, I never knew that. I'm like, wait, you had two. Because everybody talks about the bandit. But I'm like, wait, you had two stars, one on each. I don't recall that at all. I thought that was interesting. And then again, Ace, a voiceover from Ace talking about the makeup, which again, pisses the Tommy and Eric people off. Ace says, yeah, these were extensions of our alter egos. And then, of, and, then of, and then, of course, Gene's like, yeah. Oh, was it Gene or Paul's like, yeah, Peter just said, yeah, I'll be a cat. I'm like, oh, I think there was a little more than that for Peter. I'm live. Right. But the one thing that was interesting. So Gene says that the image of his became around the Phantom of the Opera. Yes. About the, the eyes around there. And he tried to make the shades. Yes. The, uh, when the phantom got exposed and his mask came off that yep. shade. And I could see it because it wasn't really defined in the beginning. There were like Correct. little spurts, yep. but recently on Twitter, um, I remember Gene talking about this and I looked it up. So Gene says his image though, I've heard him talk about this because they were talking about the old black and white movie called London after midnight. Yep. And that's a Lon Chaney movie. Mm-hmm. And he loves him. And, and this movie has been destroyed. There is no copy of it. Yep. The originals got lost in that great fire. Mm-hmm. So there's only stills of the movie. Somebody, I guess, at one point, try to patch it up and recreate it from what they've seen in the past, from the stills and the missing parts and stuff like that. And there's an image of that. And Gene talked about it on Twitter. Like, that's the image that he took and remembered. And he was talking about yep. that. And it was, again, Lon Chaney. Yep. So that's from the movie that's no longer in print, London After Midnight. And I love those old, like, Victorian style oh, yeah. horror movies and mm-hmm. Lon Chaney and stuff. I mean, awesome. I even have I even have Nosferatu, the original, Tom. That's, that's scary, dude. That's a scary yeah. fucking movie. Yeah, that's yep. fucked up, those things. Yep. But anyway, yep. um, that's where Gene talked about. And I found it interesting where he described about the shadows. And that's why mm-hmm. I got the makeup and things like that. But the yep. voice thing, to go back to what you said, great, great. Because right now I'm going, holy shit, Paul is so likable. Yeah. Which I feared he wouldn't be in this show. Yep, I know. So, yep. Um, then they talked about how they came up with the name. Oh, I just said, how about kiss? Like, and we've heard the conversations before. It's a universal word, a word that means something, you know, whatever. But there's a big little factor that's missing in there. How Paul said the name uh, kiss, but how Mm -hmm. did kiss get said? It also got, you know, the story goes that Peter threw out the fact that he was in a band called lips. Correct. And then Paul says that, but that part got skipped in this. Oh yeah. That's, that's that. Yeah. That's like, what the fuck, fuckos? How come you're not going to mention that? Like, that's probably why they're like, dude, we're not fucking adding all your shit in here. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's, that's one of the, that's one of the, that's one of the first kind of little slight over oversights. Oh, and there'll be saw. a lot of little slight. Things. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, you know, and, and then we talked about, you know, they go back to Paul's house and the, and, and he, you know, on the to- dirty toenails and the conversation, <laughs> the informal conversation that Gene and Paul have, and how awesome it is, and um. 
And the other part with Paul's though makeup, don't forget they talked about the little rascal's dog. Oh yes, that's what, right. What they said they were, and then A says you're supposed to be a rock star, right? Why wouldn't you just have two stars on your eyes? There you go. But I was like, why didn't they get into the bandit before they got into that? Surprising, they did. They didn't. That's one. I have that written down too. Why not even bring that up? Where did it come from, and why'd you get rid of it? Like, uh, you know, I was coming up with something for me, and I thought the bandit looked. I mean, I still love the bandit makeup to this day. I think that thing's fucking awesome. But two stars almost might have been too much of Ace's makeup. In in Gene, yeah, it would look the same. Yeah, yeah, and like now you got everybody with two stars. I think the fact that Paul has one, yep, makes him a little different because now yep. you notice one star. If he had two, you just think, oh, they all have makeups around their eyes, mm-hmm. and I think that's a big difference. And then yes, the crooked face thing I have, but now you get what's considered to be the earliest ever uh, recording of them, and that's at the Daisy at June sixteenth. Ugh. 1973. I love that shit. Oh my god, fucking insane! And I, 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 I was getting so giddy. I was getting emotional watching them talk about the Deuce Dance, and 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 the and this is when you start to hear about uh, Bill Coin and Sean Delaney and Neil Bogart, and and that it's it's those kind of things. Again, it's not a new story. We know this, but just seeing it, it's just oh, I, I loved it. I loved it, and how. And how Gene was like, well, we're not, you know, we're not the, you know, the, the what does he say? We're not the four tops. So we're not Paul Revere and the Raiders. The temptations, yeah, man. the temptations. And Sean Delaney's like, your kiss, you can do anything you fucking want. And they're like, yeah. okay. I thought that was fucking amazing. So on a couple of these things, I love the old pics that they were showing. Yep. And then a flashback to Eddie Kramer. Yep. And Eddie Kramer goes, it was insane. The energy. Was magical so they talk about them doing the demos now and they want and we all know the story kiss want to do the demos and because they did some fucking uh some background vocals for some performers they like just let us do a demo and use the studio and yep. we want eddie kramer to do it for us mm-hmm. and so that was the payoff for them doing those demos um eddie kramer says i'll do it but i'll do it the old-fashioned way the four track yeah they did the demos in one day and then they go to a clip, and there's old video of Bill Acoin and then Neil Bogart, and I'm just like, oh, here we go. Yep. Now they're now the like the the all the all the players are starting to come in. The cast is starting to form. You mm-hmm. got Neil Bogart being shown. You got Bill Acoin being shown, and this is the first part. Now Gene brings up, and this is what kind of annoyed me a little bit. So they talked about the deuce dance, like you said, right? And Sean's the one that says, you you know, your kiss, you can do anything. And said, do that thing, that move. And then they played the video back to him. And it was Sean's idea to let them see how they move on stage. Yep. And it changed a lot of stuff. So you're like, oh, they're starting to give Sean some stuff. But Gene referred to Sean as the boyfriend of Bill Coin. Yep. Dude, he was a lot more than the boyfriend of Bill Coin. I agree. That's I'm fucking bullshit. I cannot the believe fact is that's the extent of Sean Delaney in this thing. Are you fucking kidding me? Yep. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, they, they, I mean, don't get me wrong. They give um, Neil a lot of shit. I mean, a lot of uh, praise. They give Bill a coin, a lot of it, but they, they reduce um, Sean to that segment. There's no Joyce. There's no talk of her at all. I didn't hear her name once. 
I think yeah. she was in some still photo at some point in the back. They didn't bring her up at all. I couldn't this believe that that was. That the, yeah. She was the original manager along with Bill, and she ended up marrying the fucking the record uh, owner of the company. I mean, come on. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I was I, really I, disappointed in that. Yeah, I was a little disappointed in the Sean Delaney coverage there. I, I could not believe that that's how he was like just tossed aside. Like he, he deserved a couple more minutes. Yeah, he should have been in there talking about fucking produced albums for you. Yep. Are you shitting me? Yep. Anyway, um, you know, the you get to the point now where they're talking about some of the influences of Neil and Bill, which I'm glad to see they were given credit. How Neil came up with the drums levitating, how Bill came up, you guys gotta spit fire, even though I thought that was Sean back then. Uh, and then this clip of Gene spitting fire. And they have the original footage of him where his hair got on fire. Unbelievable. Awesome. That was unbelievable. I f- love that. And I'm like, why? Where has this been? Have you been holding on to this for this? Like, why was that not an extreme close up? Yeah. Like, that That was just amazing. I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, and then they talk about going on the road. Eddie Kramer says they only rode for basically two years and kicked ass. And then they highlight that by showing them the abc in concert footage then they talk about 200 dates 75 dollars a week and then they talk about the jr story of yes. locking the argent manager away because they that all the um headlining acts did not want to perform with them yep. because kiss was blowing them off the stage and then is that when gene came up with his with the tiger line yes yes but before they do that they had some wonder uh Winterland footage, which I'm like, oh, yes, every time I see that. Fucking the greatest. Yeah. And then Neil said to them, This is how it started, Tom. You guys keep getting off, kicked off tours. Could you be less good? And Gene, with this famous line from this, I'm a fucking tiger. That's what I do. Yeah. Like, what are you supposed to tell a tiger? Walk by that, walk by that lamb over there. You can't eat it. That's what yeah. a tiger does. I'm a fucking tiger. That's oh. awesome. Love it. And then you got the new members, Eric and Tommy, talking about how they first learned about Kiss that was growing cool. up and things yep. like that. I love yep. that. Bring the new band into it and talk about it. So it's not just the same people telling the stories. Now you're getting a kind of a fan's perspective. Smart of editing. What or a musician's perspective of what yep. Kiss seemed to them. Other yep. than, you know, obviously uh, those guys are younger, Tom and, um, and Dave Grohl. Yep. So. Yeah, and then we know this. We talked about it because it's going to be. It was on our bingo card, uh, in Bill of Coins, Amex cards. Oh yeah. And, uh, Neil Bogart mortgaging his house and how Kiss picked it up in the Midwest because we talked about Detroit. You knew that was going to come up. Yeah. And the Kiss Army creation and Bill Starkey and all that stuff. And uh, then we lead into what we always know they do, and that is the fact that they talk about um, needing to come up with an anthem. An anthem, yeah, and you get the story of rock and roll all night. Um, you know how Paul had the, you know, Gene had the 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 verses of "Drive You Wild," "Drive Me Wild." Paul was like, "How do we? How can I write a celebratory song?" You know, I pick up the guitar and I just sing. You know, I want to rock and roll night party every day. Put it together. Um, you know, and that, that that then that became the anthem. Um, you know, and then and then they start talking about how the band is just like hemorrhaging money. They're not they're not selling anything like. You know, rock and roll and I got some radio play, but Dress to Kill was a flop, you know, and mm-hmm. then you got Neil. Uh, I got to love this this great line from Gene. Neil, 
they needed they needed money because they were like they had nothing. Neil started borrowing money from people with vowels at the end of their names. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, the uh, Italian Americans are not going to be happy with the that. The mob gets involved with Neil Bogart. Yep, and uh, they you know then they show Eddie Kramer and he starts talking about the creation of uh, Alive, and I'm like, anytime I put in my notes, are Eddie Kramer's awesome. Yep. Eddie Kramer's awesome. Um, and then basically, um, and Eddie talks about how they made it. And Paul comes up again with mistakes on a live album. He's been talking about that for years. Nobody wants to hear that over and over again. Yep. Like, oh, whatever, we get it. And and then they talk about them, Neil and Gene, fighting over the tapes. Listen, asshole, you don't know who you're dealing with. You're going to send me those tapes or I'm going to break your legs. That's, that what was, that's what Gene said that Neil Bogart told him. That was unbelievable. But getting move, getting back real quick to just Alive and Eddie Kramer and Paul, that to me was a stunning admission on a documentary like this. That uh, that right when that happened, I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. They're letting people know that. That I mean, again, we know this. You guys listening to us right now, you know it. But there are people out there who might be like, wait a minute, what? You fucked around and like. You 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 re- you had pre-recorded cannons, and you had controlled high sounds and crowds and low sides and crowds like that. That that was added. I thought that was amazing, and it's funny because those were things that we talked about when we had uh, Brian on with Sean Delaney's book. When Sean Delaney yeah. was like, "Oh, fucking alive ain't live." Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting to have comments from Eddie who produced it, and then Paul to kind of be like, "Yeah, yeah." And Eddie talks to him and said that that. Fucking album saved the company's ass. Yep. But around this time, I started noticing that the that the biography, the transition music, is not Kiss. And I'm like, why are they never playing Kiss transition music in the background? It's like some funky guitar going on and stuff. I, I'm like, I noticed why? that Do too. Do they not have the rights to their own fucking music? Because that. it seems like anything music played on this was live music. Like, they fucking don't play real music. You'll have to pay Kiss. We are it, it's, Kiss. It, it's probably true. A lot. I know this is A and E, but you just played Calling Doctor Love. Send the check <laughs> to Gene Simmons from Kiss. They're probably like, "Fuck off!" We'll just have some guy in the background play something. Yeah. Did you notice that the transition music is not Kiss? I don't. I'm yep. like, what the fuck is this? Not if you go to you listen to uh, Extreme Close Up, it's all. Background music of Kiss songs. That's a Kiss produced show, though. This is an A and E show. Uh, how? What the fuck? It still doesn't have Kiss. Like, well, I, that's my get. My that's I, my I guess. That's my this guess. This is a business thing. Somebody, if somebody yep. knows the stuff, please let us know because I, yep. we're not the, in the business, so we don't know that shit. Yep. So and then they get to the part where they're talking about them, you know, them picking up and clip of Peter talking about partying too much, and then. Bill uh, says to the band, you guys need a great studio. Um, Go use Bob Ezrin. And then Bob Ezrin shows up. I'm like, fuck yeah. (laughs) That probably makes me think the picture that Paul had with Bob Ezrin when they went out to lunch on Twitter not too long ago. And I was like, holy fuck. Ezrin with Paul, they're going to do an album again. And we're like, no, they're not. (laughs) But Bob Ezrin's in this, dude. That was great. And how, who doesn't love Bob Ezrin dressed as a magician with a top hat? 
fuck. But again, more honesty. Another another honest interview where he was saying he was talking about his use of coke and 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 how he you know the honesty so far. I was like, fuck, this is this is awesome, and I I, I loved it. And you know, they started talking about Destroyer, and Paul was talking about how you know it was a very unique album and how the the songs were cinematic in their scope and that the bobby was showing them different things that they can do with instruments to make the sound the song sound thicker and fuller and more dramatic i thought that was great and um an interesting thing too that that bob was saying was that yeah bill coin said let's get a song from peter on every album i thought that was kind of interesting not ace but peter i thought that was interesting and then they talk obviously of course about beth but I'm going to take a step back for a second yeah, here. Go ahead. Go um, ahead. Paul says Bob took us to another level. Yeah. I learned a lot from Bob. He opened my eyes sonically. And I'm thinking like, you know, to music and instruments and things like that, that could be played and how the music of a piano could help out the band and the, and the guitar and stuff. And I'm like, I cannot believe how humble and how much praise Paul has given to others Me to too. his fucking uh, success. Yep. He, I can't believe the praise he just gave Bob Ezrin. Yep. And they talked about that DRC is basically like a mini symphony, like a little piece of rock theater. Mm-hmm. And then Gene, of course, here we go. This is when some of the cutting starts coming in. Gene says, Bob told East the solo to play. That's that's Bob telling him exactly how to play that solo. Yep. Uh, and then Bob, who seems to be like making sure he doesn't offend anybody and not sure how this is going to come across. And if they're going to shit on Ace, he's praising Ace. Bob says, you know, Ace was the most rock and roll guy in the group. And yeah, I had a whistle. And yeah, I had structure, you know, but that's Ace. He was the rock and roll guy. I mean, yeah. yeah. And then you had the the two factions where Paul and Gene said they liked it, that he ran it like a fucking camp with this whistle. The other two guys did not. Uh, But I've always remember Ezra praising Peter. And I remember Peter praising Bob like, yeah, he kicked the shit out of us. But, you know, proud that he got through it. Mm -hmm. Um, I always felt that uh, they they always try to make it seem like, oh, Paul, Peter socked and Peter didn't do the. Ezra doesn't say that shit. He praises no. Peter and his performance on that album. He did. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when Gene says, that's when we had our first big problems with Ace. Gene says, can't make it. I got a COD game. And first then, of all, can we talk about how fucking fantastic Gene's impersonation of Ace is? I no. can't. I got a COD game. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> that, that was, was awesome. But I love awesome. that. But I loved that Gene did an Ace impersonation. He could have just been like, yeah, he said he couldn't make it because he was playing cards. No, he did like an ace impersonation like we would. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I thought that was kind of endearing. He wasn't mocking him. I think no. he was being cute about it. Because he loves you know, ace. Yeah, and like we were saying, Bob was saying ace is supposed to be a rock star. He was yep. just being a rock star. He's like giving excuses to ace because he's probably picturing the boys to about to fucking bury him. And then they have the clip of even Peter. And I'm starting to see what's going on here. The setup where Peter says, basically, I will, you know, we're all doing cocaine, but I, you know, nobody could keep up doing cocaine with Bob. Yep. 
But then Paul jumps in and says, that's the difference. Bob is a functioning, functioning addict. Yep. He can handle it and he can still be tremendous, like, you know, Correct. talent to be able to pick up and play with that shit. That's right. Um, That's right. He, he kind of like, well, he didn't say that about the other two. Yep. So yep. Bob talked about how he took Beth home and he liked what he heard. Oh, Beck, are you playing for the other team? We've heard oh, that God, fucking thing with Gene. And so, you know, Bob says he took it home. Versus, you know, the, the theory is that, you know, Paul and them said, you didn't do shit on Beth. It was all Bob Ezrin and this and that. But Bob never fucking shits on. He said, oh, let me see what I can do. I'll take it home with me and work yeah. on it. He gives him a little bit more credit than it was. It. And, and then you know, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and then, yeah, talking about Beth. And then I love an, another video that I've never seen before. That really raw black and white video of Peter d- do it, like working on Beth. Um, yeah. Just more unseen stuff. And, and again, just having... Having Eddie Kramer talk about a live, having Bob Ezrin talk about Destroyer, this is how you do a fucking documentary on a. It was oh, loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And and I put once again, so far Peter and Ace not in this makes them look less. It reinforces that Gene and Paul are kiss. They I are. don't feel like the documentary really misses them right now. Nope. Because and I think I, I think I think yeah. if they were in this, I think if they were in this. It, you would not have gotten a lot of what you're getting out of Paul and Gene. I think there would have been a lot more moaning and whining and bitching. I don't think you would have got a lot of endearing, respectful, reflective comments that you're yeah. getting from Paul and Gene. Um, I also put in the off subject, like this fucking kayak commercial, with the lady banging away in the kitchen is fucking annoying. If I see it one more time, I'm going to shut this fucking thing off. I'll tell you right now, the first time I saw it, I literally laughed out loud because I thought she was kind of funny. When I saw it the next 12 times, I'm like, I'd rather hear Paul talk about his ear. (laughs) (laughs) It was so aggravating. I'm like, I have no patience for that shit. But again, they cut back and Paul, once again, giving credit to Bob, saying they couldn't have come up with Destroyer on their own. They needed him. Yep. Wow. And then that's when Bill brought up the Peter gets one song per album. Yep. And then the roller coaster analogy begins. Always. Oh, yep. Land of Hype starts playing in the background with the narrator. Yep. This is Ted Koppel. And you're this listening. is the original curmudgeon. I've got nothing on Miserable Masalem, though, as far as curmudgeons go. And they always cut that guy. Real class act. I love, that is one of the great. <laughs> Back to you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself, San Diego. That's exactly what that guy is exactly. doing. I love real class act guys. <laughs> what yeah, because cutting fucking remark to me. I love because then what you get here, then you start to get into a lot of like uh voiceovers with a lot of uh montages of videos and still photos talking about the 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 popularity, the the image and the mystique and the and the people trying to get their pictures taken without makeup. And so you start to see like the, the, the transition of the band from this little fledgling thing to now that's becoming like this, you know, this worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. The, then the different transitional music is playing in this background. That's where I'm noticing again, like yep. why isn't this kiss music? You got a, uh, a clip here, big John Hart in there too. Oh yeah. Gene with the cliche. We sold out Madison square garden three nights and we sold out and he uses a Japanese accent. Budokan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Budokan. We, 
Budokan, uh, Five Nights, one more than the Beatles. Yep. Uh, and then they, you know, talk about critics um, and, you know, people shitting on them. Once again, out of nowhere, Paul, Bill Coin was far ahead of us with his vision to market us. Yep. And then Bill McCoy says that Kiss made like generates $117 million. This must have been 76, 77. That is insane. Yeah. That is insane for a band with where they were. four albums, five albums at that time. Three albums ago, when they first cracked their album, their first album, yep. they're eating fucking beans and hot dogs yep. in a bowl. And now they're making $117 million. Yep. Um, Gene coming and going, condoms and coffins. And then they start playing the clips about Peter bitching about the marketing. Yes, that was interesting. And, and yeah, and they're starting to put a little like things in there. They're throwing stuff in there. But I think that makes Peter look good that he was bitching about that stuff. But yeah, I, 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 I see Monday morning quarterbacking yeah. because it was a, a 90s interview about the yes. 70s. Yes, it so was. It's not like it was at the time. So you that's why I lo- that that's why I, that's why I liked when they put the they put the source in the year of those yep. voiceover clips you were hearing. Yeah, and they talked about their popularity in 1977. He says that's the peak of their popularity. Yeah, I would have to say 77 because totally they haven't gotten into you know maybe double platinum. They haven't gotten into the solos and they haven't gotten into Kiss Meets the Phantom. Correct. Right. It, it was so love far gun whatever it was, they're it was, doing. Yeah, it was the Love Gun and Alive love. Two. Yeah, the the famous Alive Two gatefold that type of stage show. The they had taken the world over. They had played in Budokan. <laughs> yeah. <You know. laughs> this is when I'm like, here we fucking go. Yeah, I yep. was waiting for it, and this is when I knew Peter was like, yeah, fuck him. And they talked about their fans and fame and all that shit. And and then Paul says, fame doesn't change you. It allows you to be the asshole you always were. That is a fucking awesome line. I, I, that's I've, a great I've heard that line. before. It, 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 you know, it doesn't. You don't become. It just brings it out of you that yep. you're in there. But if that's not like, imagine if you were the band, the four of them were sitting there, and Paul said that comment. Peter would probably look at him and punch him in the face because he'd be obvious talking about him. But I also interpreted that too as not maybe just specifically talking about Peter, maybe talking about all four of them too. I think. He's I mean, I'm sure not talking about himself. No, but but it, but it's interesting because then you start talking. Then then, uh, then we get another bit of more on after they start talking about Ace passing out and Gene saying how it was sad and it became a drag. Peter was angry. He was throwing his fucking sticks at us. He became not dependable. The no fly zone in front of the drum set, which yeah. I thought was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. But then Gene, I thought this was great. Another moment of honesty. Like they, after they started to pile on Ace and Peter, you know, how, how fame affects people differently. Gene is like, yeah, and it affected me too. I became, you know, full of myself, my, my ego and my fame. And it, it affected me. And then Paul, Paul tried to be honest. But he was like, yeah, you know, I was hiding behind being Superman. And then he started talking about his ear again, you know, and how he hated being home because he got his strength from being on the road and performing. And the other band members hated him because he was always like, when are we getting back on the road? When are we getting back on the road? So I thought Gene was very honest about that point in the band's career. And him personally, Paul was a little, eh, not so much there, I thought. Yeah, Paul was 
saying about Peter, the no fly zones in front of the sticks. We knew that that shit was coming. Yeah. That Peter and his fucking temperament, all that shit. Um, Gene said Peter was unreliable, erratic, and would miss meetings. Yep. And Gene would also go on to say that two sides of Ace and Peter, he will always love them. And on stage, rock stars. They give it their all. Yeah. Oh, and Paul had mentioned that Ace, he couldn't rely on Ace for anything. They'd had to get a part done, you know, having to get a part done before the person passes out. Yeah. It's a shame and a drag. Yep. Now, you know, I, I it's one of those things that we we've all we've all heard the story, but you start getting put in their shoes where you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. You know, we just started. Can you fucking get your shit together? And I, I'm starting to get where all their frustrations coming in. Yeah, I was just going to say, here's the part of the show where, and again, look, you guys know me and Zeus. You, you listen to the show. You know how we feel about Paul and Gene and Ace and Peter and whatever. This is the part of the show where I'm like, if you want to be a credible Kiss fan and not be Ace Cult or Peter Cult or Fuck mm-hmm. Paul and Gene Cult, Ace and Peter were fuck ups. And, 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 and it is what it is. And like Zeus, you just said it. We just made the biggest album of our career. We're, we're at the top of the world. You have like fucking passed out. You're fucking throwing drumsticks at me. Like Peter, you're a dick. Ace, yeah. you're a fucking drunk. Dis- disaster. Like, you're yeah. a disaster. And that's a fact. And it doesn't mean that we don't love Ace and Peter. Peter's your favorite band member. And Ace is one of my all-time favorite guitarists. But it, it is what it is. Those guys were fuck-ups. You mentioned this, and I wanted to get into a little bit more detail about this. Please do. They're all talking about their fucking hangups in the cracks in the band. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Peter and drugs and his temper and all that stuff. Ace. And, and they have clips of Peter talking about, like, I was out of control. I yep. thought I was being a rock star. And then Ace, we all know he was a drunk and a fucking fall down. He's a mess. He yep. even talks about how lazy he is. Well, they didn't talk about his laziness in this. Okay. Yep. Then Gene does a mea culpa. That was inter- that was good. And he says, yes. And he talks about them fuck being fuck ups a little bit. But he says that he was a fuck up too. Mm-hmm. And he says that his ego, you know, al- you know, power, money, girls, ambition, and appetite. He was full of himself. And that was his big thing. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you're so full of yourself. That you fucking put Helen Reddy on a fucking Kiss album mm-hmm. and sing When You Wish Upon a Star and go, the fans will buy that. Like, yep. dude, you're right. Absolutely yep. right. You mm-hmm. worshipful in. Then he goes to Paul. And I'm waiting for Paul to be like criticizing himself. Nope. He's the guy that's like, can you tell us something you need to really work on or something that, you you know, criticize about yourself? I just care too much. Yeah, that's ex- <laughs> the yep. guy that says, you know, I, you know, I just, I, 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 I give too much to others. Yeah, sometimes I just oh, work too. A, yeah. Sometimes I just work too hard. Yeah, that's yeah. a real problem. <laughs> like, yeah, I, 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 that, that this was the first time I'm like, Paul, come on, you were doing so well. How about the fact that, like, I was very judgmental. Yeah, I was judging everybody, bitching about everybody, and I was being a fucking control freak. And I could have fucking handled things better. Nope. Paul to criticize himself. I hear crickets. Yep.
Paul, you're Superman on stage, and then he talks about his ear again. I know. Come on, he hated dude. to be home. I wanted to be on the road again, and the band hated it. Like that's your thing that you wanted to be on the road again because you hate it. Now we've had it. Now a lot of this is because we've read his book, Tom, and we yeah. as Kiss fanatics, we know that Paul talks about in his book, and maybe a lot of others out there, like casual rock fans and stuff, didn't know that Paul talks about the fact that he was Star Child, the fucking charismatic guy who's like the front man with. You know, do you believe in rock and roll and all that shit? And then he would go home and be all by himself and be lonely because he didn't know how to act with people or to share emotional like connections with people. So we've heard that before, and I get his point, but he could have articulated better because it looked like everybody was doing a mea culpa, and I'm responsible. And it looked, I just want their work hard. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Gee, thanks. Anyway, um, following this thing along, you know, he talks about his. He talks about his ear again and and then Paul talks again about cliche about going over the cliff. More transitional music, not kiss. I don't know why. Yep. And then Kiss meets the fan of the park, which Paul calls an incredible piece of celluloid. Um uh what do you call it? Star Wars meets Hard Day's Night? Hardly. Bingo. Um so before we before I, I gotta we, do it we, this way. Bingo. Bingo. (laughs) Before we talk about the phantom aspect of a minute, I I thought it was interesting. And Eddie trunk brought it up on Twitter. Hmm. I know that during this time period, that's when the band started fracturing a lot, but like no mention of the success of rock and roll over or love gun or that alive Two tour the state. Like, I, I mean, I know, I know you, there's only so much you can talk about, but I think it's interesting how they went right from Destroyer to the ba- the cracks in the band, right to fan. Like you skipped over like three of the most iconic albums, the in that iconic era of your band. You had three albums in a row done by Eddie Kramer. He didn't it, talk about any of them. That's what I was just gonna say. Not one word about any of them. This got to be more shit, and we can't wait. You know, they're gonna get the director's cut. Yep. Mm-hmm. I thought that because Here's then they the go right. Where- Gene, Gene and Paul have crawfish dinner. <laughs> oh, can I see that? <laughs> but yeah, then they go they go right into Phantom, and this is this is one of the segments of this biographer. I was like, okay, here's a couple of things I didn't really know. Like Gene was like, yeah, the band wasn't even talking to each other at the mm-hmm. time of this. Said it was a disaster that Ace and Peter would disappear. Now this was funny. All those jokes that we make on social media about Black Ace, you know the the. <laughs> So this was interesting. So I don't know if this is true or if this is, I shouldn't say if it's true, but it, it, Paul's interpretation. So all these years, I thought black ace, that's what we refer to him as. I thought him, I thought those guys were stunt men and it was just poorly edited. Paul is making it sound like those guys were legitimate stand-ins because Ace and Peter just would not show up to film. Yeah. I think they might've been both. I mean, I think they just brought the stunt men in to, Hey, try to not to get him, but obviously we know the running gag is that yeah. they show them. And maybe right. that's how it ended up happening. I don't know. Yeah. You, yeah. It, it is something interesting that they did say that they would stand in because <laughs> they would just disappear. Hey, where the fuck did Ace go? <laughs> yeah, it's fucking movie blows. Going on a roller coaster. Paul <laughs> said something about a roller coaster earlier. I heard that there's a new fucking Taco Bell that opened up across the street. I'm going to try that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I think I, 
<laughs> I shit my pants. Oh no! An- on Tuesday, another rocket ride. Oh no! <laughs> oh, this song is gonna make me want to write. Talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But then they, but then they say, then they, then they say that after the movie, there was a meeting, and Ace is like, yeah, I want to do a fucking solo career, and here comes Bingo. Let's Ooh. all do solo albums. Yeah, yeah. But before that, yep. Oh yeah. I think this was cleverly put in here. Yep. Gene says that Ace says I'm I'm going to sell ten million albums. Yeah. Now by putting that in there and that comment in there, I think he's purposely doing that of to make it seem like no matter how much Ace sold and it's the most successful of the solo albums, that yeah you didn't send fucking sell ten million albums you flopped. Absolutely. When he shouldn't be looking as he flopped, he succeeded more than you guys did. But he had to throw. I would have said ten million albums. Like yep. Come on. But you didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, <laughs> then they played. This was another one that I think. These are the things that the the um, conspiracy theory uh, uh, theorist in me comes out, and that right. is they played clips of Ace saying, "Yeah, yeah, Eddie Kramer picked the sign New York Groove." I feel like they're doing that on purpose to say. You had the one hit on it and had nothing to do with you. Eddie Kramer picked that out and put it on your album, and that's why your album did well. You had nothing to do with you. You didn't do shit. Now, I would agree with you that they put it in there. However, Ace said it. You you have the you have the recording of Ace saying it, but you're right. Why throw that in there? Why throw that clip in there about that song, which was the biggest song off the biggest solo album out of all of them? And you're right. It's to make it look like, yeah, Eddie Kramer's behind the success. That's not Ace. So when you turn on Ace's album and rip it out, is the first thing you fucking hear. That has nothing to do with rip, uh, like that album selling well. I kind of thought the same thing. Only comment about the solo albums is Ace talking about that Eddie Kramer picked the song out. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, Ace may have said 15 million things, and I've heard him talk about that album. And then he just basically, I don't like New York Groove, you know, but Eddie said, do it, and I did it. That's like amongst his many comments he made about that fucking album. How so, do you not? How do you not say again? I know it's only two hours. How do you gloss over the entire fucking solo album aspect of your career by having one comment about Ace with New York Groove? I know you're not going to spend frigging 20 minutes on it, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll get to it. There's a part coming up and we're almost okay. there. Okay. That is my takeaway from part one. Go the ahead. Takeaway from part two. <laughs> is kind of around this part because they're not talking about the problems they had. And then yep. in part two, they make they the most ridiculous comment I've ever heard Save is it. about the success yep. and why it failed. They failed. Yep. It, it just drives me nuts. But this whole part right here should be what was the cause of that. But okay. at, let's get back to this part in part one. Okay. So, you know, they talk about Ace talking about being more creative away from those guys. Yep. And uh, Gene actually says those tracks would have been great on a Kiss album. I and love that he said that. Paul talks about, then they show clips of disco becoming big and things changing. And Paul trying to be hip says Casablanca was more concerned when the blow was arriving. Oh, okay. Johnny oh, hits the, the blow. Settle down, Scarface. <laughs> The blow, the blow. Yeah, okay. Down, 
Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Get Pablo Stanley Escobar. Oh, okay. Bo- Stanley. Blow. Settle down, straight guy over there. Yeah. Um. Hey, anybody got any snow? <laughs> I was just gonna say that. Hey, you guys got any nose candy? <laughs> hey, anybody? Who are those guys over there? They look like they're smoking grass. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> anyways, anyways. Then there's some more creative clips. Here's yep. why. Then disco's taken off and this and that. They put the fucking clip on of Ace defending disco. Unbelievable. I, you know, that song that you're referring to is more rock disco. I don't remember ever hearing that clip. So the only one that's talking about dynasty and things like that. Is Ace and he's defending it. They're having they're throwing him out there. Yeah, you fucking defend this shit. Yeah, why did you why did you change your sound from rock to disco? Ah, it's like fucking rock disco. <laughs> what the, the fuck are you talking? If if I if I didn't see and hear that, I'd be like, that's made up. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you like how they pick him to do it? Of course, so they, they they're shading him from like, hey. You get out there and defend this shit. Go on. Yeah, yeah. You take the bullets for this album, even though there's no bullets to take for it, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah. but Paul does say it was a monster hit because, of course, you wrote it. You right. want to, you want the fucking pat on the back. Yep. And then Eddie uh, Eric Singer talks about kids starting to come to the Kiss concerts, and Paul saying they were felt like they were neutered. It became uh, glamorous in a cross between Vegas showgirls and a Disney picture. I love that. Great description. I don't that being said, I fucking love Dynasty and those outfits, so I don't care. So I know I love Super Kiss too. But I uh, love but I love how Eric Singer was ta- how they had Eric Singer talking to be about like pretty much like yeah, this band was fucking horrible back like when nobody wanted yeah, this like, as a fan, what did he see as a rock guy? You yeah. know, let's get Eric's opinion of it. And it's um, and then and then I love that clip of that little kid in front of the turntable with the recorder. Oh. Cause I'm like, that was me. I was six years old when I got dynasty. That's like that interviewer is like interviewing me. The little kids like, yeah, I like this. It's I was made for loving you. The guy's like, I was made for loving you, dude. You're fucking six years old. But he played like, there is no six year old, like being played shit like this nowadays. Like everything no. is so spoon fed. Like the, uh, everything is so like spoon fed to these children. These days. Oh yeah. We're like into kiss. Yep. We're like outgrown them by the time we were seven. Yep. <laughs> I know. I thought that was great. Marlboros and fucking (laughs) walking the streets. Turn up Um, dirty living, bitch. And then they end on what a fucking note to end on. Oh, yes. Tomorrow show. Oh, I love that they talked into it. And I have a lot of opinion. And I put first thing that this was online. And I said, in my opinion, this was my takeaway from the night. Go ahead. Because I know where you're going. And I got a lot to say about it, too. So. The revisionism of this is what's starting. So, as always, fans love Hall Ace. Ace and Space Bears now all over his albums. It's the fucking everyone got the image of Ace laughing on fucking T-shirts. They always have <laughs> a plumber. Uh, okay, I, I I actually roll my eyes now. I don't think I think it's so overdone that it gets annoying. But whatever, they changed so much. And try to flip the script on this and put their own stamp on this to take away from everyone loving 
and reveling in for the last 30 fucking 40 years, whatever that is, of them getting shit on by them looking miserable and Ace and Peter laughing. And then Gene says the Tomorrow Show was horrible. They also did something, Tom. Did you notice how they edited what Tom Snyder was introducing the band? Yep. He mentioned the instruments. Yep. Remember how what he called Ace? And he, and he said the name Bass. He said Bass. Yeah, they edited that out. And they changed it. Yep. And so when Ace's comment makes him sound like even more fucked up, like, what's he talking about? It makes no sense. Right. Because Tom Snyder, the bozo who we love, said Bass guitar. Yeah. And when he was talking. Yeah. And that's why Ace's comment now looks even stupider. Yep. Why would they fucking edit that? Other than know. to make Ace look stupid. Uh, yeah, I, that, that's what I, re- I that's what that's what that's how I recall seeing it that that they they edited that out. They're trying to change the narrative, but my takeaway here it is: the biggest takeaway from the episode is what Paul says, and this is why I have no hope really of any fucking. Final kumbaya between the band Go ahead Because you hold this in To have this as being what you really think That the other person is in his heart Means that you fucking will never let this go If Peter is fucking held to this by Paul Paul will never let this shit go Paul says They show Ace being funny and out of control And Gene and them being mad And Gene talks about being so upset But when Paul talks Paul goes after Peter And Paul says Peter laughing Wasn't about it being funny It was about the joy Seeing us squirming Like that is some vindictive Fucking shit that he's accusing Peter of I don't that you don't think it's funny. You just love to fuck with us. And if you think that's what the other person's thinking, you're like, you're a fucking scumbag. You don't forget that. This isn't, you know, you showed up late, you fucking crashed my car, you're a fucking drunk, you're an asshole, you, you know, cheated on my my girlfriend. Whatever. This is like, no, no, no. You went out of your way to fucking watch me suffer. That's what you call projection by Paul. Because of all the years that we have seen these tomorrow Tom Snyder clips, never once did it enter my mind that Peter was pissing his pants laughing at anything other than the silliness of Ace. That you're, that Paul is Paul is, for lack of a better term, giving Peter credit for being so smart and so evil at the same time that mm. the only reason he's laughing is because he's looking at Paul and Gene being pissed and squirming that he's he could he couldn't laugh at Ace cuz Ace isn't funny that is the most unbelievable projection revisionist I've ever heard of Paul and you and you're right what a fucking way to thud end part 1 yeah peter for years peter ace everybody that talks about kiss gene paul always talked about those two were the fucking reckless ones. They were the rock stars. They loved being the two of them. They had their own fucking inside jokes. They were laughing. Peter thought Ace was hilarious. And yeah, I bet you Peter loved having somebody on his side. Absolutely. Remember now, they're four equal members. Yep. Oh, let the fucking squares fuck them. Let's go have some fun. They're so they're so uptight. But Peter wears his heart on his sleeve. I don't think Peter. Is is that much of a fucking douchebag? 
No. To be like, yeah, I don't think he's funny. I just think you're fucking. I think he enjoyed that those guys are being. He's probably like, like you know, like your older brother. You're like, fuck off. I'm yep. gonna fucking do this. But you don't hate your older brother. But Plus, you're like, yo, fuck you. But like, go ahead. Plus, let's not underestimate how fucked up Peter was during that interview. That you did that to give him the credit to to have the kind of foresight to be like. Yeah, the ace isn't funny. You know, I'm I'm laughing because look at you guys. I mean, like you said, I'm sure he was kind of enjoying the fact that Paul and Gene were embarrassed, but he was laughing at Ace because Ace was funny. Yeah, I think at some point he knew that those guys were pissed because yeah. he was more uh no, I I, sh- I need to rephrase this because I'm gonna use proper English. He was less fucked up than Ace, and I think Paul and them are looking at Paul's looking at it. Like, you know better. Ace is a fuck-up. You weren't that fucked up. You knew. You could see our reaction. Where Ace wasn't even looking at Paul and Gene. He was in his own fucking world, laughing um, it up. And um, so I think they looked at Peter and like, what's your excuse? You are you should have stopped. You should have fucking not laughed with him. You should have helped us out. You shouldn't. But you saw him being that way. And you saw us being upset. And you could see our reaction. And you fucking continue to laugh it up. Go back and look when Tom Snyder's introduced him. Peter is on a fucking another planet. He is out of his mind. He's a fucking mess. He, whether he's shit faced or coked out or something, he's fucked up. But he, so he's, he's laughing at anything. I think everybody treats Ace with the kid gloves and that uh, Ace maybe. can't help himself. Maybe. Ace is the lovable fuck up, but Peter's the angry drunk or yeah. the angry, disgruntled fucking. Always bitching rock star. So I'm telling you, I think they don't put that, they don't put that, um, that vitriol or they don't think ACE is that conniving or got that anger and that, I agree. And that, and that, uh, vengefulness in manipulative. Yeah. They put that on Peter. So they're like, we'll forgive ACE, but it's you we're mad at because you saw what was happening with us and you fucking laughed it up and egged them on. So you saw us suffering there and you fucking enjoyed it. I never, ever, ever saw that angle of that Tom Snyder interview until Paul said that. That blew me away. Yeah. Gene didn't say anything about it. Not at all. Nope. Have you ever heard Gene really get into hatred towards Peter. I've heard him do the, oh, blew Peter Chris away. Oh, when he was praising Eric Carr. That was in the 80s. Eric was in the band. Gene is trying to pump up Kiss at the time. Oh, blew Peter Chris. But he was never like, Peter's a fucking loser. He never, Um, he he would just make comments about his drug use and drinking and stuff. Yeah, but he wasn't like, fuck Peter. Like, it wasn't hateful. It was like, because Gene thought he was better than anybody that was a drug addict. So he yeah. had this thing about it. But it wasn't like meant to hurt specifically Peter. He, he never he went after generalizing Pete. anybody that did drugs and fucked their shit up. He never went after Peter as a human being. He he commented on his addiction and his issues and his dependability as a band member and as a professional. But he never made it sound like he didn't think Peter was a was a bad human being. You know what I mean? Paul's kind of remembrance of that Tom Snyder interview makes it sound like he thinks Peter is a bad human being. And you're right. That could, it, this just came out. That does not bode well for Peter coming back, which I never thought it was going to happen anyways, but who knows? We could be maybe, maybe being a little bit over dramatic, but uh, I don't know. That's the end of part one. Yeah. So 
That was my takeaway. So they ended on that, Tom. Yep. I'm like, ah, where's Tom? I can't do this. And I, know. I know. Even if you were around, I couldn't even talk to you about it. So that's when I picked up the phone and I and I was talking with Steve Wright. Um, I'm at this point. I'm like, holy fuck, is this thing awesome? But then I'm kind of thinking, and I know I've gotten you kind of hooked and interested in the Eagles a little bit. Yep. And we've been watching history of the Eagles. Love it. You got episodes, uh, disc one, disc two, part one, part two. Yep. And part two, part one ends with them breaking up in 79. Yep. And part of me is like, what the fuck are they going to talk about in part two? How much is there? There's not that much history. All the good shit should have been those years. You should have dragged it out. And I'm right. Part two isn't as good as part one. So I'm like, oh, man, the 70, you're already into like the fucking 80s. Yep. Like, uh, all right, let's see how this goes. So I wasn't sure what I was going to see in part two. Are we going to get like a fucking half an hour segment on Sonic Boom and Monster? I was worried about that. We'll yep. talk about that later. But yep. I, I just wish that they ended at their height at 77. I agree. And then go into the downfall. Because up until the part in 77, it was mostly positive. It was very positive. And then they ended on this note. Now, because I, we love the band, I'm never going to be like, oh, this sucks. But I was, you know, part of me is like, oh, man, why'd they have to end like this? This means that it's going to get fucking worse next. So I was... In suspense, and obviously we'll talk about it yep. next time. Yep. But what do you think about how where it started, where it ended? Yeah, I think I think they could have. I think what they should have done is maybe spend some more time with Eddie Kramer talking about a live two, and those that stretch that out a little bit, and then kind of end right around there, how they were at the top of the world around mm-hmm. a live two, and then start part two with you know the breakdown with with the phantom the solo albums the tom snyder and and then continue but i mean it's nitpicking because we're the kind of people we're just going to watch it all together but i I understand what you're saying that kind of ending part one kind of on that thud but again it's it's a and e it's it's a little it's drama it's melodrama so it's a cliffhanger for the people that don't know yeah kiss has got a lot of fun stuff for biography yeah and they they don't have other than rock and roll night. Let's be honest. Songs that are on, on let's say anybody's wedding list, or songs that translate that need to be discussed. We as fans would need that. Right. I just wish they would delve into the process of the music a lot more because they really only talked about how they wrote rock and roll night a little yep. bit about DRC. But I think you answered your own question. I don't think they. I don't think they're known for their songwriting. I it's know. not the. It's not the Eagles. It's not. But it's you not know? just songwriting. But you should have had something in there. We hit our stride with Destroyer. Now we got to keep it going. We got these. Uh, we got Eddie to come back and then have Eddie talk. Well, in the next two albums, I did this. These they came back after song after song, and then do a, like a clip where you're like Doctor Love, uh, yep. fucking Love Gun. I stole your love and yep. then talk about, and then they came back. I don't know too many bands that can do two fucking live albums within a, you know, how many year period and both of them kick ass and then talk about that because you know what? a part of the history that made everybody make kiss 
the number one band. And because remember, they also say that Kiss, uh, what do you call it? Alive was the first platinum album after the Eagles' greatest hits was the first. And I'm still thinking to this day, how the fuck nobody else sold more than a million albums? Because they really weren't doing albums or something? I don't know. But regardless, but you got to be able to talk about the momentum to be able to say why this took off. And they should have had uh, Eddie Kramer talking about this was them at their height, professionally, musically, and just put something a little bit more detail about how they hit those strides. You know, another another good thing that I just thought of that could have ended part one. You know that clip that we've seen. I, I think it's an extreme close up. It's um, it's the advertisement for double platinum. Mm-hmm. How it shows the guy coming out to celebrate the double platinum, and it shows that they didn't even mention double platinum. They didn't yeah. even show that. They didn't even show the record, as far as I can recall. Have that show that promotion clip for Double Platinum. Have that be the end because Double Platinum came out in '78. It came out before Phantom. That was the peak. End with that, like you said. Have Eddie Kramer talk about all those albums. Talk about Alive to the production. Maybe give a little bit of insight into those original tracks. Mm-hmm. You know, like Rocket Ride and Larger Than Life, etc. Show that little clip about Double Platinum, and then you could have some dramatic voiceover being like, "Yeah, but little did we know what was around the corner or something." And then go into part two. Let's get just one last thought about the what we saw. Amazing. I mean, I, 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 I'm nitpicking here. I fucking loved every bit of it. It was everything I loved about Extreme Close Up, and in times ten, having Bob Ezrin, having Eddie Kramer, having the voiceovers of people like Ken Sharp, having clips and still photos, things I've never seen. It's the same story. It was told in a better way. New people coming in in narration and kiss biographies and DVDs and things like that that we've had in the years. Now all of a sudden we have Bob Ezrin on one. We have yep. Eddie Kramer. We have two new rockers, rock stars yep. talking about. So those to me was the, a big takeaway for me. But the other part to this is though, it was just well done. Oh, it was beautifully as far done. as the editing, mm-hmm. different segments. It wasn't cut to them just in. Uh, you know, on a mic, standing in chairs, and them two talking. It had them going into Electric Lady talking a, a little bit. And it had them at their house talking. It had little one-on-one close-ups of them talking. It had old clips. It had video. Mo- like it had a lot of different things. So you were not bored. The shit was fucking moving. Yep, it and was beautifully edited. It hit the nail on the head for us as fans, fanatics that we have a Kiss podcast. And I think for the casual rock fan or the person that watches Family Jewels that thought Gene Simmons is funny would watch this. Anybody would watch this. A serious musician sitting out at his home, fucking, I don't know, any not even, just Peter Frampton at his house. Oh, here's a documentary on Kiss. They would watch this and like this. We all would like this. Well done. As we said. and I'll end said, there, there are things that we would change, things we want more of, things we want less of. I get it. But I don't think I'm doing a better job than what they did. So I've got to be fair here. I thought they hit it out of the park. I think they did a great job. And the last part I wanted to add is it would have been great to have Ace and Peter in there. But I don't think it's detrimental that they weren't on this. No, no. And I'll end with this. I think the bar was set 
very, very high for, for Kiss fans to expect something. And this, to me, maybe I'm giving Paul and Gene too much credit. I felt like they respected the fans by making this as great as it was. They didn't half-ass it. Mm-hmm. Personally, they didn't half-ass it. Editing-wise, storytelling-wise, I think they respected the fans and gave people like me and you what we wanted. And that's I give them credit for that. I'll ask you one question, okay? And I'll split it into uh, part A and part B. I, I know my answer, okay? And I'll end it on this note. Because when this came out and we were talking about it and everyone was all, all over the internet shooting shit, we're like, oh, here comes. And they were hinting of shit to come out that was going to be different. We're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be the same old bullshit, this and that. Whatever. However, when you watch this, did you leave this liking Paul more? Liking Gene more. Yes. I would say yes to both. I, I, and I, can't I thought li- I was going to like Paul less. <laughs> I can't like, I, I can't like Gene more. I love fucking love Gene. Paul, I think came out better, whether it is, you know, at the risk of giving him a backhanded compliment, whether it's authentic or not, and not just for the A&E cameras, that's for somebody else's side. But I think what I saw and heard, I, I liked it. A lot I thought from Paul him. was likable. Me I too. really do. Me too. Gene, I just love every time. Like I grow to like him more when I hear him talk more. Yep. And this is like passionate Gene. Yep. This is exactly. Gene Hart out on a sleeve. Gene. Yep. Um, Paul, I just wasn't expecting him. Now, mind you, he wasn't bearing his soul. No. But I thought he'd be guarded, Paul. I thought he'd be cliched, Paul. And even the, the insults and the thing that he brought up about the end there with Peter, even that, and even in part two, I still feel, I'll be honest, that he held back. He wasn't as vicious as he could have been. He I absolutely held back. Years, he know, held back. I feel like he held back. He was diplomatic, but I think he's going to be like, I was fair. Yep. In his mind, he'll say he was fair. And, you know, the comment that we were talking about him and Peter and saying that he think I don't think that means that Paul is an asshole for thinking that about Peter. I think Paul has literally like almost to the point where he has debilitating sensitivity yep. to things. I think he looks at that and sees that he's being insulted by Peter. Like, dude, where are you coming up with that? And I know people like that. Believe me, I know people like that. Projection. And, but it's debilitating how mm-hmm. like you could take a situation and believe that's that that's about you and meant to hurt you it's not but yep. that that's him i don't think like, that he gets that and i don't think it's him being an asshole but i think he's fucked in the head about his sensitivity and he's got issues that he's yet to ever fix but mm-hmm. again to summarize incredible job they 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 did better than i expected on on part one. So absolutely. And this is why we broke it up into two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. You can say that again. Well, Tom, after this, we go into. Hi, this is Ed Spansberg of clicktshop.com. And for all your shouted out loud cast gear and merchandise, please visit clicktshop.com. At Click T Shop, you can find lots of Kiss inspired t shirt designs, plus mugs, hats, hoodies, pillows, and all new fine art selections. And now, here's your question of the week.
All right. So we got a question here um, from this is from uh, Alan on Facebook, and he asks it's an, kind of an interesting question here. He says if Kiss's career started with Lick It Up, if Lick It Up was their debut album, no makeup, no nothing, would they have had better success in the 80s? the same success or less success. So he's, so he's asking essentially did seventies kiss help lick it up? Or if that was a standalone debut album by a band, no one ever heard. What do you think lick it up would have turned into in the future of kiss going into the eighties? Um, I, I think it would hurt them. I don't think they would be better off on their own. I think they would have been a band of the era, meaning as soon as the nineties came along, they'd be gone. Okay. Right or wrong, I'm not saying they should be, but I'm saying that they'd be defined by that era. They came out in '83. They had songs that I, I mean, I love of obviously their '80s material, but it came out in the '80s. So yep. when the '90s came along, they'd be gone. I think, yeah, I think they would have had huge success, but I think their longevity would have been just cut in half because I think Lick It Up is a strong album. I, I think whether it was their debut album or whether it was their first makeup without a uh, first album without makeup, that's a strong album and it's strong and well-produced for the era. So I think it would have been a kick-ass debut album and they could have carried themselves, but you're right. They would not have had nostalgia to fall back on to carry them because the seventies makeup wouldn't have existed. But I think it's an interesting question. I always love what if questions with kiss so uh, that was a good one. Nice, quick question with some, some quick answers there. So I uh, would like would, would like to see what you guys think about a, a scenario like that. But Alan, thank you for the question, and uh, thanks to Click T Shop too for uh, for our question of the week. Tom, where can people find us? Uh, people can find us right here talking about history, and you can. Email us at shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. That's our email. Please email us. Uh, we'd love to read most of them on the air. Even if we don't read them on the air, we read them amongst ourselves here. We talk about them. Some people don't want us to read them on the air. We respect that if they ask that. Uh, but it's shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. And, of course, the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, very interactive on all those, including DMs. So check us out there. Uh, and of course, we are part of the great Pantheon Podcast Network. Uh, tons of great shows. Uh, we're proud to be part of that family. So check us out on the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can go to their website and see all the other shows. And of course, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, Patreon, P A T R E O N. Uh, check us out and see if there's something that you're interested in. If you'd like to be part of the family, contribute to the show, help the show continue to grow. Um, we'll be grateful for anything that you guys can do. So we're out there. You can find us. You can also DM us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube. YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, which has been growing uh, a, a lot lately. In the comments, there have really yeah. taken off. So thank you for that. Um, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'd really appreciate it. And if you can give us one of those five star, star. child reviews, so people can find our podcast, that'd be greatly appreciated as well. Those help us because you move up and people get more exposure to you. And then all of a sudden you get more interaction. The show grows and it's a, a big plus for us all. I always like to repeat the email, 
shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. Shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. We love getting the emails, as Tom has said, and it's always greatly appreciated. Um, Tom, we always end with famous last words. You got any? And you'll need her. So you'll feed her with your endless dedication. And the quicker you get sicker, she'll remove your medication. Firehouse. Woo. (laughs) Well, I can top that one. Please do. Shout it. Shout it. Shout it out loud. You got to have a party. Shout it. Shout it. Shout it out loud. Turn it up louder. You've got to have a party. I said shout it out loud. What's the matter with you? It's kistery. Stop shouting. I'm not deaf. (laughs) Oh, Tom, thank you. Kiss Army, thank you. Loudcasters, thank you. Guys, thank you. You knew we were going to dissect and take a deep dive into this like we do everything Kiss. We hope you guys enjoyed it. So thank you guys so much, and thank you, Zeus. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.